CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And as always, completely thrilled uh, to bring... Uh, these to you each and every week. Uh, my guest today uh, is a gentleman that I've been following on Instagram for quite a while. Uh, Benny Mawson actually recommended uh, Oliver to me as like personally as well as a potential podcast guest. Um, and I've been following him for quite a while. This week we decided to make it happen. Um, Oliver is a physical therapist who works at 8th Ave Physio here on the Gold Coast. Um, he's also a yoga practitioner uh, and a yoga teacher um, and he is also a Zen practitioner. Practitioner uh, Zen is a type of Buddhism um, so he kind of ticks a few boxes for me stretching meditation um, physical health uh, so yeah I was like all right let's uh, let's make this one happen and um, as always with these ones it's kind of selfish to be honest um, I'm trying to learn uh a lot about you know stretching and my own kind of like mobility for motocross and jiu-jitsu um so a lot of the questions when i get to do podcasts like this they're kind of just aimed at stuff that i'm going through um in the hope that if you're working on a similar project like you can apply some of this knowledge um and then when it comes to the meditation stuff it's pretty rad. Like in my day to day life, I don't, I don't have a group that I'm a part of. I don't go to any monasteries, uh, monasteries to meditate. I don't have a teacher. Um, I do everything myself. So when, you know, I speak to someone that has like a formal practice and, and, uh, has a group that, um, he's a part of for this kind of stuff. Um, it's really, really cool. I just, uh, it's stuff that I think about constantly and I just don't really get to talk about that much in my day-to-day life. So, um, I thoroughly enjoy these podcasts for that reason. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed this chat with Oliver. Um, so I hope you guys too do, uh, I hope you guys do too. Um, before we get into that though, uh, just a word from our sponsors. Uh, today is Black Friday. We're dropping it. So, if you head to boost.com.au, they have some insane Black Friday sales going on right now. You can save up to 70% off selected Boost Mobile Sims and up to 10% off refurbished devices. That's phones, iPads. Um, so get in and get it done on boost.com.au. Uh, super easy if you've been thinking about changing for a while, but you're like, oh, I got my old number, I don't want to lose that. Uh, 
pretty easy. You can migrate your phone over. Uh, that's what I did. Super easy process. Um, and yeah, they, they pretty much take care of all of it. Uh, full 4G network on, on the Telstra network. Uh, look, really no, really no disadvantages uh, to switching to Boost. In my opinion, we've been on it for years. Um, and great partner for us. I just, I don't think I'm going to be changing anytime soon. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Crush Oz. Uh, if you are going to be doing a bunch of writing over Christmas, uh, like I would love to be doing, then head to crushoz.com. Uh, they are the premium bike wash company that is by riders for riders. This is your one-stop shop for everything cleaning related everything that you own that has wheels uh you can clean and you could probably clean yourself with it too although that's probably not recommended um if you are new to crush oz uh, they do products like premium chain lube foaming a rapid wash premium bike wash uh, illuminate waterless wash uh, that's probably more aimed for the mountain bike stuff um ultra drive trend greaser which is really great and the rotor revive now if you're like me uh and and you just want to kind of get in and get it done. Um, I really think that you just go straight to their Pro Bike Care bucket. Um, it's got like chain cleaners in there. It's got a scrubbing brush. It's got chamois. It's got the whole lot plus one of all of their products. So it's kind of just like a little one-stop shop. You just get it, do your whole bike, every product, and she comes up schmick every time. So crushoz.com. Uh, we're also brought to you by Go The Rat. You might have seen our, uh, I'm just going to type in the website actually. I think it's gotheratracing.com. Just going to make sure for you before I get too far into this ad read. Bang, gotheratracing.com. You might have seen our little drop that we did the other day. Uh, We had some fun here in the studio. Gear is insane. I've been kind of a part of the process uh, of this for the last little bit no it's uh, been on the horizon sammy sort of soft launch it but all the gear is here so um they're selling it like hotcakes so get in be a part of the rebirth of an australian icon this is honestly massive like there really just isn't that many australian gear companies that are doing it to this level um there's definitely no gear companies that have the kind of heritage that go the rat does sammy's working with vince the original creator um of rat racing so this is a legitimate rebirth of the brand so be a part of it at go the rat racing.com we're also brought to you by the guys at anti-gravity batteries and these guys are the leader in lithium-ion products for motorsports and energy supply systems for things like camping and off-grid use uh, the guys also do micro start uh, jump starters and accessories related to lithium batteries so they've been around since 2010 and they're used in every form of motorsport from world-class car racing motorcycle racing utv boat racing uh, as well as uh, daily riders and drivers Uh, for me though uh, their motorcycle and power sports batteries are pretty much the bee's knees or the duck's nuts you could say Um, and they have two versions of their motorsports motorcycle slash power sport batteries uh, the first type of battery is the small case racing battery these are the smallest most compact and powerful batteries available on the market they're a universal fit for all bikes and they're intended more for the racing market uh, these batteries are used by many of the top teams and privateers in all racing series in off-road uh, and on-road from motocross supercross gncc works moto america uh, and other series 
and they're used in all types of vehicles from motos, UTVs, quads, watercraft, and more. Uh, they're the most used battery in racing, um, and they're used by the Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki team, uh, Monster Energy Kawasaki, and Star Racing Yamaha, uh, just to name a few. So you can head to antigravitybatteries.com. Uh, if you own a motocross bike, an electric starter, or an off-road bike, you should really look into getting one of these. They also do a restart battery as well. Um, but just have a look at their website. They have so much insanely cool stuff. Uh, I'm a bit of a tech nerd, uh, and these guys do some incredible tech in their batteries. So shout out to Anti-Gravity batteries uh also before we wrap this one up um just a few more little black friday hitters um so dixon fist and dry times um are all doing a black friday sale dixon is dixon 25 for 25 percent off so that's dixonquality.com.au dry times black 20 for 20 percent off and that's at drytimes.com and at fisthandware.com black 15 is going to get you 15 percent off we're also brought to you by the guys at cricks tweed uh give those guys a call if you're in the market for a new or used car thanks so much everybody for the continued support also uh before we go we'll be at the bend next week in adelaide uh to watch jack miller send at the bend baby um we're going to be there making like a little bit of a doco uh series we've got a bunch of cool stuff coming on our youtube as well we're just kind of snowed under with editing so um yeah gypsy gang oh we got uh 25 off a merch sale too gypsy the gypsy is the code for 25 percent off at gypsy hyphen tales.com uh love to you all hope you enjoy this podcast peace cool cool Oliver Crossley, welcome to Gypsy Tales, mate. Thank you very much. I don't know where we start on this one because we've got some uh, very similar interests mm. uh, in terms of the flexibility stuff. Uh, I don't exactly practice Zen as such. Uh, I've read a fair bit of Zen, um, just like books, and I follow some different Zen teachers. Mm. Um, so definitely know about the world. Don't practice it in that in that sense, but. Um, definitely some like shared mutual ground and i think uh one of the big things um in the last few years has been stretching for me mm-hmm. um i don't do yoga or anything it's just ma- mainly just a lot of just over the last few years i've just figured out different ways to stretch and uh, yeah. and also some trigger point stuff as well um Epic. i do get questions from people when i talk about it um because i think in our line of you know action sports like like you just said, you treated Ollie Bayless recently. Um, so a lot of impact, a lot of injury, a lot of hitting the ground on funny angles. Um, and then a lot of injuries and coming back from injuries, mobility. So definitely uh, a lot of ways we could go. But I guess maybe talk a little bit about your background first and then sort of go from there, I reckon. For sure, man. Um, yeah, appreciate the invite. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I am a physiotherapist, but I blend yoga within it yeah. which is a bit of an emerging i guess industry yeah. um not many of us do it and then i i work here in the gold coast at palm beach at eighth Ave physio and we're a bit of a different clinic where we kind of focus more on holistic sort of physio getting outcomes for people not just trying to you know tape you up and get you going we want to make sure we kind of get you back almost better than you were and yeah sort of long story short background i've i've been practicing 
yoga overall, Ashtanga yoga, a particular style of it, for about yep. 10 years now. Yep. And that's been a big kind of directing force in my life alongside like Buddhism and meditation yep. in general. Yeah. Because um, after high school, I, I don't know, it was a weird of like turn of events, but I spent some time in India. In oh, India, sorry. Yeah. Uh, when after high school, I went and um, did like a English teaching gig, volunteering in a yeah. Tibetan monastery. And then from there, I was like, Whoa. wow. Yeah. Did you have any interest in Buddhism at all before that or it was purely coincidental? Nah, man. Um, it was more like, that looks like a cool adventure. And then I went, oh, I better learn something about their culture. And then I read a book and was like, whoa. What was the first book? The Tibetan was a thick one. Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Oh, yeah. Can yeah. you bring that up on the screen, Rose? It's a, it's a heavy one. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't read that one. So I, I read that because a, a sort of auntie of mine is into Tibetan Buddhism. Um, yeah. And she was like... Go to the Booktopia link if you want. Yeah. Because I'll probably just buy that. Oh, it's Single Rinpoche. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And it's kind of like a an overall book that gives you a good understanding of Tibetan culture. Yep, yep. But yeah, so I came back to Australia and was like, I don't want to study economics anymore and got into yoga, which made me get into physio and then here we are. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a very uh, genuine like journey into it. And mm. so did you have any um, like, I don't know, like weird traumas and shit like that that sort of like drove you into it because i feel like that's probably one common thing that you see with people that get into like this line of uh a lifestyle or whatever is that there's like some traumas they're trying to heal and they dive into this and then this is like some vessel of healing and then they just like live in that like healing process yeah. in a way so it seems like you yours was just like purely interest you know yeah i was just like a curious kid that mm. i mean I, I definitely wouldn't say trauma like i had an epic childhood like like yeah very lucky that like everything was pretty privileged yeah. um but i think something inside me was a bit maybe hypersensitive to the ups and downs of of life i like i guess all of us have yeah, it that's but I, pretty standard i'd say yeah. yeah exactly and i just kind of went something about how we're mapping out life felt felt in I, it didn't really intuitively feel wrong until like books like this mm. were like oh there's another way yeah yeah and maybe you know because i've got like some of my dad's mates from high school are pretty wealthy pretty famous and so that was like whoa that would be cool to do and then that's that that i saw the emptiness of it i guess and and then yeah it's really hard to say other than out of curiosity and then i just remember like reading that book and going oh you know life's inherently full of you know some ups and downs but if you do xyz if you a little bit more less reactive a little bit calmer Mm. a little bit less self-centered actually better mm. so instead of being like me 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 <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh yeah it actually it seems like a paradox but when you say it right it's not it's like the dalai lama was you know if you want to be really happy you got to be um really selfish you got to be selfless yeah 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 that's uh yeah super cool yeah i guess my uh the, the funny like to give you my kind of story because mm. i think i've probably been fairly in to I guess just this line of thinking so I was like always super interested in philosophy like my whole life and then it was like philosophy and metaphysics and then it was just like 
there was never really like a ground floor to it it was always like okay you get here this is what we know and then this is what we don't know but then this is what i think it is and it's all just like ah oh, cool so you don't know what you're fucking talking about <laughs> and then you sort of um i guess it was just yeah like a curious mind like you just keep wanting to go further and further and further and it wasn't until i started doing this and i think i've been doing this for like five years and it was probably like the first two years i just really struggled with like uh the whole concept of like ego and uh my biggest fear of like doing this podcast was coming across like I had this ego and it was like really crushing to like just be constantly thinking about I don't want people to think I got an ego I don't want people and then I'm like fuck that's like the gnarliest version of ego essentially yeah so I just I just found like that kind of ground floor in a way where I was like, what the fuck is the ego? And then I just started reading kind of everything I could. And I'd say over two years, I just fucking read constantly of books from Dalai Lama, a lot of Sam Harris stuff. Ah, and then epic. you start going into like, what really kind of interested me was the, you could listen to a, you know, a, a podcast or a lecture from a guy like Joshua Bach, which is like a computational, um, you know, mathematical theorist. And he's saying the same thing about the ego and the self. And then you talk to a guy like Sam Harris, who spent like two years on retreat, who's mm. a neuroscientist. And then they're saying the same thing about the self. And then you can talk to like people that, you know, scientists that research chaos theory. And it's just like everywhere you look to anyone that really knows, like they say the same thing about the ego. And it's like, then you go to the Buddha and 2,500 years ago, he found out the same thing by just sitting there. So I was like, man, after literally an entire intellectual life of, you know, wanting to know about reality and wanting to know about, you know, like, what the fuck are we? Like, why are we here? <laughs> you know, just those questions. It's like, oh, here's some consensus. You know, here's some, there's no deity. There's no, there's nothing attached to it. There's no creator. There's no this, there's no that. And there's no rituals that you have to stick to. I mean, in some practices, there kind of is. But in terms of, like, the message itself, like, there's no message other than, like, hey, what can you experience? Yeah, it's, like, sit down, pay attention. Like, yeah. It's, oh, it's so good, man. Like, the... And that's been a real fascination of mine as well, where, like, the West and the East start to blend. Mm. And, like, the... Yeah, like, you know, computational neuroscience, philosophy, and and even just in physio world, this stuff is blending just with how we treat people with pain. So it's like, it's really exciting because mm. um, all of this stuff's blending together. And thanks to that, this, the Western sort of scientific exploration of all of this mm. stuff, our culture's kind of going oh this isn't weird 70s yeah. culty stuff anymore yeah. this is just rational like it's it yeah. makes sense well even with like uh you can look at fm mri studies and mm. then it's like they can they can know your decision of let, let's say you pick something up here or here they can know your decision 30 you know seven seconds 30 seconds before you do as like the the conscious agent um that supposedly has like the free will over that decision you know so there's like there's so much stuff that is confirming again what the buddha fucking said from just like sitting down by himself for you know a a long time but long time you know that direct first person experience that's it and that's where like that internal as much as it's prone to issues, that subjective scientific journey, I guess the, the um, you would call it like a qualitative phenomenological study of, yeah. of, the, of the mind is, um, is really matches up 
Yeah. It's um and and there's so much cool research on this that just as you said it matches up like not even to 2,500 years ago but you know meditation manuals from Japan a thousand years yeah. ago from Tibet 500 years ago yeah and they're all saying the same stuff and like what you can experience and what human life might be because mm. it's like I don't know there's more there's a higher or broader view that's perhaps makes life a bit easier mm. and richer yeah no I yeah completely agree so what was the process of like going to India then like how did it hectic yeah I bet <laughs> uh, I um I turned 18 had a party with my friends and some family members in the King at King's Cross in Sydney and then at like 12 no no lunchtime the next day I got on a plane to Delhi and my my, my mum was like kind of like not ready to say goodbye and with a couple of other people who were volunteering we all showed up in Delhi and had an intro week and for me who'd never really left Australia except for like Bali (laughs) Delhi was hectic and then we had an orientation for a week and I got in a bus and went up into the Himalayas with another Canadian dude and oh man when you first look at the Himalayas as people who've probably been in Nepal before have seen it's just like immense yeah and then the culture it was yeah just like life-changing amazing people and yeah I lived in this uh, monastery that I've since found out has had like a pretty significant historical role like it was one of the first that got rebuilt and kind of um, instated as the Tibetans migrated um, after the Chinese invaded and and kind of pushed them out Um, and and so Tashijong Monastery is the name just about two hours how do you spell T-A-S-H-I Tashi means like happy and Jong is just J-O-N-G Tashijong J-O-N-G. Cool to get a visual of that. It's beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's mind-blowing. So, yeah, four and a half months of my life was... Did it go quick? Yeah. I feel like that's not a long time. Like you say, like to say four and a half months, you'd think it's a long time, but then to just like be immersed there, like... I'm sure that would just disappear. Yeah. In some ways it was long, but like when I look back really quick, particularly because no, obviously like this is 2011. So no, no real internet. Um, it was hilarious. My auntie's a, like was a young kind of early childhood educator. And so she'd like email me all these resources, coloring in book stuff to work with these kids. Cause most of them were just there because you can't send, you can't afford to kid, send kids to school much in India. And so they send them to these monasteries as a way of getting something. Yeah. And yeah. it's mainly cultural education and the real monks are like up the back and you can't really, it's hard to talk to them cause they're, deep in it yeah like this particular tradition of buddhism the drupa kagyu what is it what what's the tradition uh there's four main schools of tibetan buddhism um without getting too like nerdy about it there's two real old ones that are really that get a bit mystical because they're older and they were sort of started back when people thought that you know spirits were spirits and then there's two newer ones um one of which gelukpa is the the dalai lama is the head of yeah yeah so this one is kagyu or drukpa kagyu uh it's the second oldest and these guys in this tradition they've got uh a, a, a still alive tradition of yogis where a lot of the you know postural practices and breathing yeah, stuff okay. are actually blended within Buddhism as they have been for you yeah. know a good thousand years, but just 
in the fringe and these guys will do what's known as 12 year retreats fuck yeah and they grow out dreads they look like Tibetan Rastafarian dudes really? but they are what, what would we search to find a picture uh, of them? if you look up Tashijong Togden T-O um, T-O-G-D-E-N Togdens they're called they are yeah that's so sick oh go H go uh, you got T-A-S-K go yeah H. Togden Amtin I saw that one on the left there Sem yeah he was he's still alive when I was there wow yeah so they get the white robe over there oh no way I've never seen that mmm that's like legit dreads yeah legit because they're just like they go oh fuck it I'm not getting a haircut yeah <laughs> um and these guys are about as masterful of on meditation as you could possibly be yeah so what was it like being around them like did you get to be around them much or because that's sort of one of the from what I understand anyway mm. like when you're sort of just a fucking white belt like walking in <laughs> yes. it's like the black belts aren't really going to pay that much attention to you like that's kind of it's exactly. analogous to that you know exactly no they, they couldn't give a shit about me um it it's so ironic actually on this note because like i was sitting literally surrounded by diamond diamond kind of like level oh, humans yeah and i'm sitting there going like well i wouldn't like i was going i really want to learn to meditate and it was hilarious because i couldn't really no one would tell me everyone was like oh why would you want to meditate because yeah. these guys were the ones doing it yeah and the odd monk and so i eventually got a word in with the abbot of the monastery on like and i'm still mad at myself for this but you know life still worked out well on the last day before i left I, I talked to the abbot and he was like, oh, like you want to meditate? Because they've had teachers there years before. Usually every year they'll send like a gap year yeah, white kid right. over to, to do it. And he's like, usually like you guys never want to do this, but cool. Come up to my like house in the afternoon and I'll teach you both. And I was like, oh my God, yes. Wow. I go up there with Dan, my Canadian friend, and uh, he sits us down. We go, right, cool. And he goes, okay, simple as this it teaches how to sit there you're on the cushion hips above knees straight back steady mind gaze down on the floor or maybe close your eyes and it was count the breath every exhale as it comes out pay attention to it and just go ah, number one yeah and then if you lose your focus come back and you just count to seven if you get to seven start again and my stupid naive like needing the world to be complex and complicated and sophisticated yeah, western yeah. brain was like that can't be it he's just given me the scraps yeah this dude's just like okay whatever and like, <laughs> i laugh because that's literally the method that yeah, i come yeah. back to today yeah. Yeah. 10 years later so simple is best but i i yeah like i come back to australia and go on those what everyone everyone knows them pretty well those 10 day vipassana retreats yeah, yeah. and then that's what sort of kicks me off on like a proper like regular habit yeah of meditation but i'm surrounded by these guys and yeah i do that <laughs> I what, do. what was the i mean you don't know what you don't know though at that point exactly um, it's pretty young yeah what what's the vibe around guys like that though heavy uh these guys it's it's like um it's the similar vibe i guess in australia where you come around like you know how aussies treat sports stars or something where there's this mm. sense of like reverence but in a different way because it's heavier because it has a spiritual connotation because tibetans revere these guys above all else like yeah. they the community they support the monastery like most buddhist countries the 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 monastery and the 
village are like you know they're in a symbiotic relationship they yeah. help each other yeah so these guys at the sort of top of the spiritual power hierarchy yeah they're 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 pretty weighty and they're um you got to but it's not like you know it's not like going up and bowing it's not cultish no no it's actually really that's what i love about most forms of buddhism because it's arguably the only religion founded on like a more rational worldview yeah it's got that sense of you know as the buddha said he's like you know treat question what i'm saying here yeah. like a jeweler would question whether the gold the, the, he's yeah, been given yeah. is real yeah like yeah. be skeptical as you can be and yeah. so these guys are like yeah cool like go for it uh, most most decent traditions should yeah yeah man that's so cool like yeah i definitely have uh, there's like a big part of me that wants to go to a place like India to experience like a the just really high level, very deep, and just to see and feel what that looks like. Almost in the same sense of um, like when you watch someone that's like you said about sport. Like when you watch someone that's really really good at sport, you just like how the fuck can you do that? Like Literally. I trying to do that. <laughs> And it's really hard and I'm better than a normal person at it. And I can't even look at what you're doing and have any level of comprehension. Literally. Like I was just um, like yesterday, I didn't realize because I grew up around motorbikes a bit, but let it yeah. go too young. And tra- like you have tra- Travis Pastrana, you've chatted to him and me, yeah. him growing up watching him do like the double backflip. I was like, no, nah, that's God level stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's not real. Yeah. And then you're talking to him and like, yeah, you're you're like obviously a decent rider. And like, oh, man, I mean, I don't even know if I could handle a motorbike anymore. But um, yeah. And, and then it's a similar sort of thing, but it's weird because you can't see it. It's mm. not. And like a lot of these Tibetan guys, they're you know the the most pro- the most proficient ones you know of, as as you would expect the cliche goes talk the least yeah yeah because um because for obvious reasons they're waking up to the sense of a fluid self a, a porous sort of gas-like self that's not really yeah. graspable and so they then behave from that sort of viewpoint yeah. Yeah. which means that they're very like oh i'm i'm, I'm sort of nothing like yeah yeah and it's therefore it's a bit I often worry some of yeah, our culture is pretty like guys like yourself. It's like really cool because there's a few people getting into it, but these people kind of go under the radar and yeah. it's almost like um, one of the actually a cool, I don't know if you guys have heard, but there's one of the ladies who learnt from these dudes earlier on, who's since become really famous. What's Ten, her name? Tenzin Palmo. This is a cool story. How would you Google that? Uh, T-E-N-Z-I-N space palm like a tree. Yeah, there we go. She revived the female yoga tradition in Tibetan Buddhism and she spent 12 years in a cave. But she's an English lady who grew up in London during World War II. Wow. And she was one of the most amazing people talking about like just she came to mind because you're like what's it like yeah her gaze like when i was so were you you've been around her yeah i got to listen to her talk for a weekend oh, and she wow. signed that book cave in the snow which i'd recommend reading yeah okay. an aussie journalist wrote about her 12 years in a cave literally she that's the picture there if you go down just that one there <laughs> she literally lived in a cave in like far northern india wow like snow leopards outside her door stuff wow she had piercing, still does, 
thank, thank God she's still alive. She, and where's she based? In India still? Yeah, about 20 minutes down the road from the monastery I lived at. And wow. she has created this immense nunnery, revived the role of women in Tibetan Buddhism, worked with the Dalai Lama to allow women to take Geshe degrees, which are like the equivalent of a Buddhist PhD. See, this, that's like, it's pretty weird. Uh, sorry to cut you No, off, go but, for it, mate. Yeah. Um, in, so like, I, I remember having one day where uh it wasn't like a formal meditation but Mm. i was just thinking about the concept of not having a self like i'd say that's pretty much dominated my thinking of like the last few years like if i have like a spare moment where i'm not like concentrating on what i'm doing i try to just like see through the self like where is the self in this moment and so i was just walking the dog and i was thinking about it and i got a thought about somebody that's like transgender and i was think thinking in in the sense of like i just don't think i could ever look at somebody that's like transgender or you know like that's born a man that thinks he's a woman it's like that's just not really there anyway so like whether it's man or whether it's woman it's all just a story like there's definitely like associated biology Mm. but in terms of like the story that's being told as the self it's like i can completely see how you would be transgender and it would be real or how you would be gay or how you would be bi or straight it's all a part of this same story and that was just like a gnarly insight like it really floored me and i was like walking the dog and it was probably like (laughs) 20 minutes of just like thinking about this same thing mm. like thinking about it but not thinking about it at the same time yeah. just like in this like insight like fuck i actually don't think i could ever hold any level of like i guess like prejudice around like uh gender or race or whatever i was just like fuck it's all a story really and uh but then when you hear things like the buddhist where it's like men can do this but women <laughs> can't do that i'm like well what the fuck are we doing like if you've had that level of insight around like the nature of the self then like why is there even a difference between men and women in that world like that's just a story yeah it's ridiculous which is why like the real woken up guys if if they are that um well like her teacher when she showed up like a white girl in the 60s 70s maybe i can't remember when she first showed up and and the story goes i remember her telling me she like knelt down in front of this guy who was the um the head of this monastery and and he was like oh like g'day like as if like he'd be like oh welcome back like he apparently he, he was like oh yeah, of course she was like i want to be your student like can i be a nun he was like yeah of course like let's just he was like ready to go but then ugh, the culture at large it's yeah it's such it's such a funny paradox it's like because it just shouldn't exist like if if that's yeah if there if there's a level of insight around that phenomenon of just like they're not really being a self in the way that you think there is then it's like well gender is just a complete part of that yeah exactly like that's what's so weird about it all and it's i mean even even with zen like a thousand years ago the guy who was most he's said to be the founder of soto zen one of the two two schools of zen yeah Uh, what's the other one uh rinzai yeah rinzai yeah yeah. they're pretty blended nowadays because most westerners learnt from both yeah um rinzai is like contemplate poems and you know koans right yeah Yeah, that's it yeah and like stick whacking a bit stricter a bit more intellectual yeah soto is um they're from different assumptions similar to tibetan buddhism i was talking to my boss about this the other day because he's interested in it it's like soto goes this is a bit of a tangent but soto's like 
assumes i think most most buddhist traditions assume there's this essential buddha nature buddha just means awake like it's not like anything's it is special but it's also not there's this essential awakened simplicity to us all if we just sit and let the snow globe still long enough and so soto is like all right well we're already perfect let's sit and uncover that yeah Rinzai is like, no, no, we got to kind of seek it out and uncover it. And so it's like mild. And this is also, you know, an uneducated early beginner idiot practitioner trying to describe this. So someone listening yeah. to this might be like, that's not how it is. But it's, uh, Rinzai sort of seeks it out with a little bit more active contemplation, whereas yeah. Soto is kind of like, let, let the, it come. Yeah. yeah, let the water settle. Well, like you're already there. You've just got to. Yeah, you've got to unveil with dualistic thinking and yeah. go, oh. And, like, you get glimpses of it because Dogen made this really cool point and the tangent comes back because he was writing back then that all, like, why are we making the distinction between men and women ordaining? Like, women are just the same physically. Yeah, it's all the same shit. Yeah, he was like, it's all the same shit. You guys are idiots. And, like, his first two monasteries got burnt down by other monks. (laughs) That's weird, eh? (laughs) Super weird. And, like, so we're, I don't know, as humans, I guess we're always super messy and stuff can devolve into cultish behavior so quickly. Well, there's, there's like, a spiritual ego too, you know. Which is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a book. Um, fuck, I wish I could remember it. I think I might know what you're talking about. It was one that I... It was a Steve Jobs recommendation, actually. Ah, yeah. Like, Chogyam Trungpa? Uh, it was something it was something about like a spiritual ego essentially cutting there's one called cutting through spiritual materialism yeah which talks about that google that right for us (laughs) cutting through spiritual materialism is that it sorry mate challenging the typing fingers nah it's all good (laughs) um yeah because that's definitely like a real thing i mean i definitely know that um there's a there's like a point where i guess when i first was having like some i'd say like legitimate insights and experiences where it's like you just want to tell everybody and it's like it's almost like being a vegan you know what i mean like how do you know if someone's a vegan like well they'll just tell you first five minutes yeah yeah yeah. so like there's a little bit of that you know it's like uh yeah i don't know whether that's it that's probably worth getting anyway yeah there's heaps of them but um, but yeah i mean there's definitely like a spiritual ego that then develops and it's like an identity around not having an identity and it's just like okay well you kind of you've again missed you've moved away from the point yeah yeah and that guy talks about it a lot because he was he's an interesting figure controversial because he like had a couple of girlfriends kind of thing as they all annoyingly tended to do but he when he first came to america he was a tibetan monk and he really was like all right you americans like you got to be careful with this because as soon as you feel like because it feels like you've got something special exactly and that childlike excitement Mm. which i feel is like natural and kind of motivates you to continue practicing can then have that sort of shadow side of like oh now i'm better than you and and this like speaking with and yoga is the same like yeah it's like it's the thing that bugs me about the community so much even though it's quite heterogeneous and blended and for the most part yeah 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 people just get this like higher than thou attitude and like yeah i like i don't lecture people i like i teach other people how to become yoga teachers and i don't talk about i don't tell them what to eat like it gives mm. broad ethical principles but it's yeah it's like very kind of you got to be humble mm. <laughs> stay yeah stay humble <laughs> so when you um like listen to this woman talk like you're talking about like her eyes and so she'd gone there moved into a cave mm. and so how does it work when people do like those 12 year retreats like 
do then so basically from how i understand it mm. like people in the community just like bring them food so like they kind of don't have to do anything essentially like they just sit there they get some rice and food and water and stuff brought to them and they just sit and do their thing is that kind of how it works pretty much yep and in her case she had a cave in a couple of valleys north from where i was which was very cold and down like a very steep hill like we're talking probably like a kilometer down this valley there was a village that would support her and she built this she like built up this cave with some of the men from the village uh and then she has this is the most hectic thing there's a box that's like not quite a coffin but shorter but not quite a meditation box and they sit in it but can't quite sleep sort of can't quite sleep in it and they spend their life pretty much in it and it's a uh, most of the details are lacking so you can read the book but she would spend Pretty so she much. wrote about this in the book. Yeah, the the wow. journalist writes about Vicky McKenzie is oh, the one that I'm gonna order that. For yeah, sure. it's it's just. Oh, I like, love reading about like legitimate spiritual journeys. Like it's very very illuminating. Like what people go through. Yeah, and particularly for her because she like you know she even talks about how like she had the hots for this guy on the on the boat over like to india Uh, and like and had a little fling but then i was like no there's something deeper here still driving me beyond that and yeah and she like spent was it 12 to 16 hours a day pretty much she wakes up at three they do like three three or four big three-hour meditation sessions a day and the 12 years are cut up into three to four three-year chunks yeah and at the end of every three years it's like a uni semester she goes back to her teacher and goes all right report back here's what's going on and he's like all right xyz go back she's like right and then yeah every month or so but she talks about in the book because it's really bloody cold up there and she got snowed out multiple times and nearly starved to death and like had a little garden to try and like grow because not much grows up there so most of them live off barley yeah because wheat oats no good so tibetans are like they literally cross the himalayas from china just with barley flour and yak butter so like she would help like sort of survive off that it's um it's yeah it's just it's really inspiring because it's real and and she's still alive there's youtube videos galore of her talking um still one of the most inspiring people and just piercing vision like it was almost like she could see through your nonsense when she was looking at you these bright Mm. blue eyes and i was like whoa okay i gotta i gotta i gotta do this more like it was like mum being like do your chores I'm like yep okay <laughs> that yeah that's that would be like insanely powerful eh? mm. i um i was sort of just not just but i was like i guess i was like kind of getting into a bit of a groove with like meditation and this like a lot way of thinking i guess where mm. it started like affecting me as a person i feel like in my day-to-day life and then I was in Bali, it was like in, right, literally just before all the COVID stuff started. And um, and I was getting dinner at this little local place. It was like, you know, a couple bucks of food. And then I saw this, like, it was like an Indian guy. And you could tell he was like a guru kind of dude, you know. And um, and I just walked up to him and I, and I was like, oh, can I buy you like dinner or can I give you anything like, you know, appreciate you and um and he was he was like oh no thank you i'm fine and um and anyway so i went to the counter and and i um got my food and i was like oh can i sit down he's like yeah sure and um and i was like oh whereabouts are you from and he just looked around he's like everywhere 
<laughs> and I was just like, I didn't even say anything to him after that. I was just like, fuck yes, like the man, like literally just the man. And we both just sat down and like, we just ate our food. And then I think after like, you know, five minutes, we started talking again. But yeah, I was just like, fuck, that was like, that's kind of the only guy that I've been around where like you you didn't have to say anything. Like I let literally could just like sit there, feel like what he had going on. And I was like, oh, that's what it is, you know? So mm. there's some pretty powerful um, interactions that you can have with like these people. And I, yeah, I, I definitely would love to go and experience something like that in like a really old monastery and really feel um, what they've got going on there. Yeah, there's a sense of gravity to it. And even just like being around... Because it's uh, talking to like my teacher locally here, um, you've like he always talks about a Tiknat Han quote where like trees don't do well in the desert, like they got to be around other trees. Mm. And so like in Buddhism, they talk about like uh, the sangha is like the group of practitioners is is essential. And so when you're around other like a culture, other people who do this stuff, it mm. feels really supportive because we're tribal beings, right? We got here because we banded together and mm. survived against the odds, and so. Part Part of us is like geared to being like well, what's everyone else doing mm. and if everyone else is like you know partying on the weekends and doing whatever else and you're going oh it feels a bit out of place sometimes unless you got a deep drive so when you go to places like this or you're surrounded by a community it's like it's such a restorative and empowering feeling because you there's this um yeah it's like it's like having a bit of a turbo boost behind your vehicle you're like yeah this is like it's mm. easier like one, I, I was really struggling in, in India to, to meditate, for example. And like, I kept trying, I was doing, I couldn't really get more than five minutes. I guess I probably was prone to like anxiety or something or just high, high functioning anxiety earlier on. Mm. And when I left the monastery, the first place I went to, cause I was meeting up with another guy in our group, cause we're all distributed across various monasteries to go and, you know, travel for the last month I was there and see cool stuff. I was I stayed somewhere on the first night before I went and saw him at his monastery and it was this lake and there's a story of the guy who brought Buddhism from India across the mountains into Tibet and he was a bit of like a mythical magic dude his name was Padmasambhava which means like born of the bhava is like grown out of or born out of Padma lotus yeah and there's this lake where there's this enormous statue of him like um holding all these different ornaments and and i stayed there i I like checked out the statue and underneath it is a tibetan temple inside it wow and they're very technical you know like their art's beautiful like that that symbol there on the book is called like a dorje like as Buddhism does when it hits other cultures, it blends and has to like kind of adopt what. Yeah. So like all the all the myth, uh, sort of magical Mongolian Tibetan steppe yeah. bond beliefs blended, and this guy is credited as sort of skillfully doing that. Yeah. That night, sitting in my little kind of guest house, an hour went by, and I still to this day like I just. I have no idea why because it was just the gravitas of the place because he supposedly stayed at this spot Mm. and there was you know a a longer story about what he did there and created the lake and whatever (laughs) so all of those old mythological stories go yeah but um and then from there on I was like oh I can sit for longer yeah but yeah it's it's cool how much the context can affect you the presence of someone whose practice can affect you yeah even when they don't seem you know as a lot of these people are they sort of run below the the um yeah. the limelight yeah and like uh 
you know, you look at guys like Sadhguru. Yeah. You know, he gets like millions of views on yeah. YouTube and you're just like, well, you're not it. Like, you're not doing the fucking thing. Like, because the problem is, is like, if you're doing it to that scale, it's like, then you're obviously investing in this sense of self. Like, there's a real heavy present sense of self. So, like, it is a <laughs> very hard thing to balance, you know, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I'm gravitate towards Sam Harris so much is because there's just none of that. Like he fully is aware of the paradox and it's like, uh, you know, even, um, reading a book by Nassim Taleb at the moment yes. called Skin in the Game. I love that book. Oh, sick. yeah, it's really fucking good. <laughs> so but basically good. he just says like, avoid taking advice from people who give advice for a living. <laughs> And it's like, I think that is so true. And I mean, I really, really try and apply that to my own life. Like I do, I could, I could just do the podcast full time. I just get guests in, we edit them, we put them on YouTube and iTunes and that's it. I don't have to do any of the fucking crazy projects that we do. I don't have to do any of these races. I don't have to film all the different things. There's so much stuff that I like don't have to do. I could just do the podcast now and be completely fine. I'd have way more free time. I'd just be out of cruise, but I'd just be a person that just talks for a living. And I'm like, I can't fucking be that guy. Like I can't be the dude that like just gives advice for a living it's like i need to go and do some stuff you know and you see these like guru guys they just give advice for a living and i think that you know with the guy like sam harris it's like he's got waking up and he'll have these conversations and that's like this one thing that he does but then he does all this other stuff and it's like he's this super successful person and he's got like you know insanely intelligent guy that is like kind of adding to like uh the um the wealth of knowledge that we've got and he's like doing these debates he's like a public figure so anyway it's just like there's a lot more than like he could just be a guru you know what i mean like he knows there's a lot of experience there uh the practical application he's got a lot of people that follow him because i guess there's like a there's definitely a level of like indulgence that you can have as somebody that i guess has like the keys to the kingdom you know <laughs> and that's why you see these guru dudes with fucking heaps of wives and they're like yeah. kind of gnarly dudes like you just hear a lot of really yep. bad stories from like monasteries and shit like that yeah it gets so messed up and it like I feel like there's in this, this eternal paradox that probably rack with me until like the day I die but it's like when you get into this stuff you realise how universally helpful it is for people yeah. in their lives and so there's this urge particularly in like as in like Mahayana styles of Buddhism where it's like, well, help everyone else wake up before you because you're interconnected with them. Mm. So there's no point making this an individual journey. Yeah. So it's about like this, like, oh, let's all do it. Like, but it makes it tricky because there's always going to be delusional yeah. people. And so you want to get out there and help as many people as you can, but, and you know that the human dynamic is to sort of follow that which is loudest yeah. like uh, you, but then that which is loudest is probably someone with perverse incentives yeah. most of the time but uh, as you said there's some gems out there like you know the Dalai Lama like Sam Harris like yeah. Jack Cornfield, and like the list goes on where yeah, yeah there is a lot of people out there mm. um, have you heard much of Locke Kelly stuff no yeah Locke Kelly's really cool as well like cool so the there's guys that I guess there's like the traditions mm. that people can kind of 
uh, come up in. Yeah. Um, but I think that what I'm seeing now anyway is there's like a bunch of guys that it's like they come up through these traditions and they're like, okay, cool. We're just going to like cut ties with them. We're going to take the good, leave the bad. And then like, this is kind of what you're left with. And a yeah. lot of like a lot Kelly is more of like, um, really looking at like just what awareness is like the small self the large self like just all these different like layers of the self and like different uh directions to point out Mm. uh, to sort of get like further and further and further like there was uh there was one uh there was like a daily meditation on the waking up app the other day where sam harris was talking about uh the self is like the black hole and it's like this center of experience and then it's like everything just like pulls down into wow. the like all of the inputs that you're getting from your senses are being pulled towards this black hole which like is the self and then it's almost like you know light can't even escape that so <laughs> there's such like a crazy pull to that but there is like this event horizon of every black hole where it's like once you cross that point everything gets sucked in but then once you're outside of that event horizon just complete open space again Mm, Um, so there's people there's those kinds of guys that they kind of leave a lot of the um ritualistic stuff and they leave like the traditions and are speaking more from like i guess using analogy um that's just around like awareness the contents of consciousness what consciousness is there's just not necessarily um any of the i guess like the ritualistic sort of um yeah yeah like vernacular around it in a exactly way. yeah that's and that's kind of like why i think or why i'm on the gold coast and why like i haven't bailed off to somewhere else is because the people i practice with and like my teacher and some of his other dharma brothers these guys are just yeah. regular dudes like my teacher's a yoga teacher but he's also a zen monk one of his dharma brothers is a quantum physics lecturer at qut wow. the other one's just uh, a high up lawyer in the government wow. and they're all like they're all kind of like stealth mode yeah family yeah. kids wife that. but they are like when you go on retreat with these guys once a year we hire out a place do you know Rad. do it for a week pretend to be monks and nuns kind of not like like full robes or anything but we just sit for a lot of time and yeah. eat simple food and don't talk uh, and so no conversation not really like there's an opportunity to go and ask these guys um questions if you're like yeah man, so you'll do like a standard traditional interview. like yeah interview style yeah. yeah yeah that's it where you're like man i'm racking i can't concentrate and they're like well I'll try this and yeah. it's like it's like a elder brother to a younger brother yep. or like um and oh, that's cool yeah it's really cool uh amazing because as these as i've find the traditions that are good as they start to morph into western culture they're doing that they're letting go of what's unnecessary keeping what is yeah um and some of them are a little bit more traditional where they keep some of the traditional forms but it's there, there is to, something to that like yeah I think there it keeps is you some, honest yeah discipline and yeah. you know like a, a certain uh regime to stick to and things like that like that i definitely can see the value in it yeah but it's pretty simple like there's not much the only ritual is like we walk in you bow to each other and then you bow to your cushion which is like bound to your buddies who are trying to do the same thing yeah. bound to the practice and then you sit and it sort of is, it builds a sense of reverence like i had a client this morning who's uh, a vietnam veteran and he we've got this little zen book in our waiting room at eighth yeah. Ave physio and he was like i really like that book and i was like yeah it's pretty cool he's like yeah it was written in it. it's like kind of like what i did in the army and i was like no way like tell me more about that he was like there's just something really good about healthy discipline and yeah. keeping things clean and simple and i was like yeah wow totally agree you know like putting your shoes together at the front of the house kind of stuff yeah, <laughs> like yeah. 
make your bed in the morning, Jordan Peterson things. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, totally agree. And and he just had this sense of freshness about him, which is rare for a veteran, um, like, because they go through some stuff. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that yeah, that's awesome, man. To that's one of the things. Like, I definitely don't. I'm just pretty much on my own on the on this whole thing, you know. Yeah, man, I'm impressed because like you've got like a burning kind of curiosity that's pretty. Yeah, I, I rarely see it. It's cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, it's just been me for years, just by myself reading books. That's Fucking got a little couch in my room that I that I sit sick. on. That's like my little meditation couch, and I just sit there and do my shit. But um. But yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely times where, um, I mean, most of the time, like the most I talk about is just people on the podcast, really. Yeah. Um, so it's cool, it. like, yeah, when I saw that you were super into like the Zen style, because have you heard of Henry Shookman? No. Oh, okay. He, um, can you yeah, bring- Google uh, Henry Shookman? He, um, he wrote a book called One Blade of Grass. Um, oh. I think it's Shookman, yeah. Yeah, that's him there. English poet. And uh, he's like a a Zen. Oh, Mountain Cloud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you've heard of that. But um, yeah, he wrote a book called One One Blade of Grass. But it's cool because he was a writer before a Zen. Oh, that's uh, powerful. Yeah, before a Zen guy. So it's actually written quite beautifully. And it's like this story um, of his his life and like his kind of whole, I guess, like Zen journey but I really like my only contact with people that have kind of gone through a lot of this stuff is just like through reading reading books and, and that you know yeah yeah same man like if it wasn't for it's rare to find any community that's not a cult so it's like that, that's, <laughs> yeah and I mean there's been a couple of times where I've googled like meditation in Burley but it's like I don't know if you're if you're not looking at it to me it's like if you're not looking at it as like there's not really a self in the way that you would you know you think there is if you think the free will is a thing like so there's some kind of like check boxes where it's like if you don't have these things i'm like well, we're just not talking about the same thing so no. I'll, I'll go do my weird shit and you do your shit like do, yeah boomer lady angel visualization stuff like yeah, yeah. which is cool like yeah. and you can't you know like if it's that, helpful if that helps people then yeah. it's, i just think there's a way to just like literally clip all of it and like real like and really really clip all of it to where it's like there's nothing really that kind of matters (laughs) which is i think that's probably another thing too like i mean i've i've had some pretty in-depth kind of conversations about like free will Mm. on here with people yeah i've seen Um, some uh, do you what's your stand like where are you at with that or is it Uh, something you've thought much about of yeah well like well, obviously, like there's a there's the it's it's annoying to say there's a doctrine, but as you practice in a lot of these traditions, you start to realize the fluidity of who you think you were mm. versus like of who you really are versus who you thought you were and how who you thought you were fucks with you a lot. And so you go, well, who am I? Like, where are these desires coming from? Really, like, what am I? And again, like, do I actually have control over this? Then yeah. you start listening to Sam Harris. You start listening to. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the other American guy. Never mind. But you, yeah, you think about it, and I have no profound intellectual contribution beyond those guys. But yeah. I'm simply in agreement of going. The way Sam Harris describes it's really good because there's this, and even Anil Seth recently, um, Anil who Seth. you would love him. I recently Can you read a book. That in, right? The dude is amazing. I just read a book of his that he released called Being You. He's a consciousness researcher. That's it. 
um, oh, yeah, from um, Dan, I'll read that. Oh, listen to that. Yeah, he because he's right up. Like, because Sam Harris doesn't do much active research anymore, whereas Anil Seth runs a, yeah. a full center in Brighton. Yeah, and right. um, yeah, long he talks about it really well in that book where he uh, where he says, yeah, you know, there's it, there's this illusion that we have it, but there's still some sense of control, but you know, as they talk about within the Dharma, which is like the sort of the teachings of various types of Buddhism or yoga, it's like we're just causes and conditions in the yeah, universe yeah. and as people. And so there's causes and conditions that led you to think what you're thinking now, which then lead you to make the decisions that you're making now. So yeah. most of it's out of your control. <laughs> yeah, it's all causal, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And when you follow it back to the point, it's like what was your first thought? Did you choose that? Did you yeah. choose your parents? Did you choose to be born? Like, and so <laughs> have you ever heard of Joshua Bach? no oh fuck that's this is a, cool i'm gonna write a, all these down yeah that's a complete so that was one of the i guess the lanes where it's like you've got a guy that is uh, his story is insane i would love to have him on the podcast one day he basically grew as a german kid his dad basically was like a, a german artist that was said fuck this i'm out we're going to live in the mountains <laughs> so he went and lived like made his own little one-man commune with his wife Whoa. and two kids or three kids in this commune and they lived with like no power no like no nothing just literally like lived out in the fucking sticks and all this kid had was books so there was like a full library that his father had and then basically like he had no kids to hang around he had nothing read every single book like hundreds and hundreds of books by the time he was like an 11 year old kid um and then his dad got him a computer and then he basically was like oh if i could program this one thing maybe i could program literally the whole universe he's like i've got nothing else to do so I'm just going to sit here and try and figure out how to program the universe. And this guy is a fucking genius. So he's basically trying to engineer consciousness. Wow. As through computation. Um, uh. And it literally explains, like has a model of consciousness, a complete model of consciousness uh, based on computation um, algorithms and logarithms. But it's like it'll take a really, really long time to build these functions and wow. he says the exact same thing about the free will and the exact same thing about the self uh as any like literally as the buddha and this is a guy that had no contact with any of this shit was <laughs> just a it. kid in a in a cave but um he basically um i think there's a couple like really interesting uh points from it where like uh, it talks about essentially it's like you've got a physical system in the world mm. so it's like that would be our body mm -hmm. like the thing that's made up of electrons and protons and quarks and anti-quark that whole <laughs> deal right that's what that is that's this physical um agent right and then you've got this agent that has gained complexity and the so there's like uh he there's an agent that has no complexity, which is like a one-to-one -one kind of representation. There's no modeling that's needed. There's no mm. like future um, reference that's needed. There's yep. no need for planning. It's, and he gives the example of a thermometer. A thermometer is, there's like a set set point of keeping the temperature, you know, like when the temperature is this, reflect what the temperature yeah, actually model is. It. So there's one set point and there's just this simple deviation. There's no need for 
any further complex modeling it's just like you just do this so it's very very binary pass the butter <laughs> yeah so then when you you then look at um systems that like physical systems that gain complexity that can create models that can then uh mm. look into the future so like where do i need to get food so you get these more complex set points yep. um around sex around um like eating around mm. you know conflict around socializing around so all, all of, of these things are like these set points um that need to be monitored so the more complex the system the more set points that you have and basically like he says that you know you can program a robot to play soccer and it will like through machine learning it will create you know algorithms and it will like learn how to play soccer so essentially it's like there's complexity that sort of starts from like you turn the thing on and then it slowly builds complexity based on the set points that you give it. And it basically just says like if you expand that out to um, the human beings, you've got this complex physical agent that has created modeling that's gotten so complex that the model not only wants to model itself, but model all of the universe. So it's just this complex process of modeling. Um, and basically what he says is like the self is the model that can inform the physical agent so if and and i think that mm. one of the really easy ways to think about this is pain so pain isn't uh it's just it, it's not something that is experienced by the physical system right so like if you've got a like a, a human leg and then a bone uh sorry and then a rock and then it's like you smash the rock in half that's a physical system that was like, this is now breaking apart. There's yep. been like enough force that's been aparted to have, it's got the necessary properties, bang, that thing splits. There's no pain there. There's just a physical system that is being broken. So yep. then you can do apply the same amount of force to a leg that then breaks and splits. So in terms of the physical system, why like pain isn't this intrinsic property uh. of the universe <laughs> pain is only there because of the modeling that is within Dude. the agent right so <sighs> then you could take this as so you've got this conscious agent that creates this model right of pain yeah put that person unconscious smash their leg in the same way there's no pain it's gone that's this like you opened up my favorite pandora's box ever like well so i figure that you've been through this with the stretching side of things oh man like we come back to a model that i've like just downloaded four papers on that try that's a model of the model yeah <laughs> the predictive processing which is what an, uh, anil seth talks about in his book is like this overarching especially the work of um you'll probably really like this guy Carl Friston yeah. he is a uh, K-R oh, it'll come up S-T-O-N that's him biggest no. brainiac ever he's created the free energy principle which is like a mathematical mm. algorithm as, as best as my dumb ass can explain it uh, about how we model the universe how yeah. we model ourselves our environment and then this like sort of links into how we 
predict and and try and model where pain's coming from. Yeah. Because right. people like me and chiros and osteos and massage therapists, we've told people a lie based on a dualistic assumption that goes way back to Rene Descartes in the 16th century, yeah, yeah. where stimulus equals response, linear thing, ouch equals, you know, like tissue damage equals pain. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like most of the time there's some tissue irritation with pain, but man, no, not all of the time. And as you said, there's this complex kind of modeling here that means that a lot of other stuff gets thrown into that pool of data. Yeah. Perceptions, previous experiences. Like yeah, there's a, yeah. Memories. All of it. Yeah. Like there's a story. I tell this on like a little course and webinars I do about this guy who... Quickly, there's a story of a tale of two nails. Two blokes about five, six years apart. One bloke, 1995, recorded in the British Medical Journal... He's working on a work site. He's got a, 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 a propelled uh, nail gun and accidentally shoots a nail straight through his steel cap boot. Like the rest of us, falls to the ground in agony, screams, oh my God. They call the paramedics. They come. They have to sedate this bloke like using an insane amount of fentanyl and midazolam. Yeah, yeah. They cut the wood off. They take him to the hospital. They slowly cut off the steel cap boot thinking we've got to be careful. He might have nerve damage. Probably didn't even go through. It's through the web space of his toes. It hadn't even pierced the skin. Yeah. But all credible evidence to the system that was modelling what it thought was happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and to you, this is no surprise. But I tell the average Joe that comes in, most people don't like the pain talk, so you don't do it. But if you try and drip feed a bit of this, they're like, no, man, like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And he, he like, no, no tissue damage at all, immense pain. On the other side, there's this 2003 or four. there's a guy who's working in Colorado. This story still whacks me out. I don't know how it's possible. Nail gun again, shoots one ricochets. He doesn't see where it goes. Somehow goes up through his hard palate into, through sinuses into his brain. He doesn't realize that because of whatever, <laughs> maybe less intelligent. But I, I read multiple news stories on this to corroborate it and it was real he goes to the dentist and he's like man i got a really bad toothache and headache like what's going on can you like help me out here and the dentist when he realizes he's like bro no ambulance now you go to hospital like you have a nail in your brain and they take him in neuro neurosurgeon softly takes it out this dude had a mild headache but intense tissue damage and so this like modeling that our nervous system does all the time yeah. is what leads people to, to to get over injuries real quickly yeah particularly hectic bone breaks like stuff that you know motocross well, you an athlete that can come back from a broken collarbone in four weeks exactly yeah yeah because the meaning the purpose yeah, exactly. everything's there yeah. whereas some people they like you know yeah disc bulges are mildly correlated with pain but like one in three people my age have them without pain so let's say someone has it has a real bad episode of back pain some sciatic stuff going down their leg and so yeah there's a bit of disc bulge involved they go to a physio and they get this real structural explanation they think that every time they're bending forward this is old school that the disc is bulging out because they've yeah, got this jelly model yeah 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 and so that increases the perception of threat within the model and the system in the nervous in the central nervous system and so every time they bend over and they feel that sensation that's what it means yeah and so the threat goes up pain gets up and these people end up with chronic low back pain and they'll yeah. never bend forward they stop exercising and everything yeah. spirals down yeah because like again nasim taleb my favorite book that literally runs everything i do clinically anti-fragile yeah we right, respond okay. to stress yeah, we're hormetic yeah. creatures yeah we need stress we need strain to adapt and be better and yeah. work better and thrive so like 
this predictive processing predictive coding stuff when it comes to pain is amazing like yeah yeah it's um changes the game yeah well so there's a a really great analogy that i've spoken about before and it's Mm. i think it's something that sam harris said but basically like the the framing that you have like this modeling and the perspective like so much of it is tied to this feeling of self like this one-to-one ratio that we feel like we have with like who we are and like this connection to our thoughts yeah and so there's a um he uses a really great example which like i can relate to in my own life like i've been this guy so you let's say you've got two identical twin brothers like nothing about these two genetically like everything is the same like they can put up the same numbers like this is just a carbon copy you got one of the brothers like you present them with the workout and it's like a gnarly leg day workout right and then you get one of the brothers that associates the pain and the discomfort and the effort that he has to put in with results so he's like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna be sore as fuck tomorrow but it's gonna i'm gonna grow i'm gonna like this pain will like help blah 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 then you got another guy brother b that's like man i gotta fucking work tomorrow i gotta be on my feet i won't be able to do this i won't be able to do that so it's like the exact same pain but the model the modeling which you know essentially like the self is telling a story that then you connect to which like doesn't really have any physical meaning like if you talk about you know you go back to like the rock analogy it's like uh, as a physical thing in the universe like there's no property of pain essentially it's like it's a story that gets told about an event and then you go like yeah but every time this has happened i've felt this much pain it's like yeah you remember like that's a part of like this modeling is like knowing what happened in the past again that like kind of goes back to the set point deviations it's like you remember things that fucked up in your life because whenever you start to get you know these future set points you can again model your actions in the future off the lessons of the past it doesn't necessarily mean that things are as real as you feel they are that's it that that right you really well summarized there what he calls active inference and this Mm. is like what dudes like this are frothing over in the research at the moment because google's using these same active inference modeling algorithms that we're figuring out about ourselves to run everything like facebook's using it and stuff so it's changing the game even that like that story there of the two people that's it's it's epic because there's like i actually read a study six months ago that i'm pretty sure i chucked up on instagram from a guy who um benedetti uh benizio yeah he uh he's a italian placebo researcher and he got two groups of people cuff pressure cuff probably people probably heard of blood flow restriction training Yeah, yeah cuff on all right squeeze 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 half of the group got told all right you guys this is blood flow restriction training we're gonna get like sick gains from this like go 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 yeah. push through it the pain's great it means that you're gonna get more muscle adaptation like, yeah sweet all right cool they the do pain it. is gnarly from that shit too yeah i haven't tried it is oh, it hectic real gnarly yeah oh. like bad gnarly i've seen like purple legs on like some athletes doing acl rehab and i'm like oh that looks sore yeah i had it done once in america um <laughs> 
we were yeah just fucking around and a guy he was actually like a major league baseball player he was like a so he's throwing cool. a lot yeah and um and yeah like they put like the rubber band on and then like they're making you like pump your arm and it literally feels like it's about to fucking explode it's pretty hectic and then you gotta have someone there be like no it's fine it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen <laughs> you're okay you're okay it's like speak because like this where the sort of non-physical ephemeral transitions to physical this study did really well because like on the other side they were like oh just push until you can't anymore no meaning no purpose like the other guy yeah this sauna sucks and they realized to kind of prove that the internal pain relief systems were working like internal opioid and cannabinoid systems they gave them antagonist drugs to shut them down and what they noticed was without the drugs people who were told it was giving them sick gains worked way harder push way through it yeah as you'd expect the other side didn't push as far they give them the drugs to take out the opioid internal opioid release cannabinoid release and what does that do that's your internal pain relief so when we yeah. take codeine when we take um, so that'll hit the um the opioid yeah, receptors receptors exactly and i'm no pharmacist so like there's smarter people who explain this but simply that hits that which then numbs the or takes away a lot of the different signaling signaling yeah. Pain, yeah 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 because there's quite complex signals and maps with pain like it's as we've said it's not just linear so some like depending on the nerves yeah without going into a neurophysiology lecture so you've got that and then obviously we all know that like cannabinoid stuff like different weed products have that effect as well it sort of dulls or numbs different pain experiences in consciousness so they're given these two drugs and what they found was is that the people who pushed forward couldn't do it anymore they like even though yeah they couldn't even no they couldn't like they just couldn't push even though the meaning was there they they ended up tapping out at the same point as the people without the meaning Hmm. and so like that perception of meaning then allowed their own nervous system to go right let's release the goods for them yeah and then keep pushing because this is important to us because we've got a meaning point that means yeah it's just it blows my mind like yeah yeah the i think that there's a real like practical i think that's probably like the thing that people struggle with as well if you talk about like meditation and shit gets sold as like a as like a quick fix Uh, yeah it'll get rid of anxiety it'll help you (laughs) sleep better but there's no real like why or like what the practical application is and i think that um that's probably that when i i there's a lot of people that will have like spoken to me about it now Mm. since me talking about it as much Mm. um and i think that a lot of people don't understand the like the real the bottom level of it and i think that it's like uh you need to kind of i guess understand like the application the real world application of it instead of like oh it's just a stress it's supposed to be the stress thing but all i do is i sit down i think about my problems um but it's like when you i guess when you get like a fairly deep level of understanding then you can like somewhat back that up with the experience then you can start to see these places in your life like real simple example of um i bought new shoes the other day and then there was like a little bit on the bottom of my ankle that was like you know it rubs in like the stinging pain you're like it's just like this little bit of fabric that's like rubbing on this (laughs) this tiny bit of your ankle and it can just cause like gnarly fucking pain (laughs) and I, i just went for a walk in these new shoes first time and um and yeah it was like really really painful and then i was just you know you you go back you're like okay there's really like in terms of the physical system like there's not pain present in the way that 
it feels like there is and then after a while you just walk through it and that's the same as i guess the pain in like a long sit that you do like you sit by yourself and it's like your hips hurt your back hurts and you're like oh this pain's gnarly like maybe i'm fucking tearing my acl right now while i'm sitting here and you know you kind of go through all that and then again it's like you you can sort of drop it it's not there in the way that you sort of think it is so i think that the the messaging of the, like the practical application to your life and the way that you know i think about it as like you do i because i don't do like a lot of meditation i'll just do 10 minutes a day essentially wow so it's just like Jeez, you're getting a lot out of 10 minutes by the sounds of it but i feel like it's it's more about your life than about sitting like i think that it's one yeah. thing to sit and it's like going to the gym for sport so it's like do you want to just be a person that goes like let's say you start going to the gym for jiu-jitsu yeah but because jiu-jitsu is like your main thing that you like to do and then all of a sudden you stop going to jiu-jitsu because you just you've gone to the gym so much for jiu-jitsu in a way yeah so then it's like you um to me it's like all right i'll just go to the gym which is like my 10 minutes a day and then i'll do the sport which is life so it's like i don't want to lose the like what i'm actually doing it for if that makes sense it makes complete sense and that's like the deeper meaning and purpose for it which is what it's all about because it's there to kind of enrich and or yeah wake us up and whatever we're waking up to depends on our value system which is why like like my girlfriend's a psychologist and she acceptance and commitment therapy is like a third wave of cognitive behavioral therapy that she uses a lot in her in her work uh and what i love about it is that it's like it's changed the language around a lot of these practices and these frameworks from buddhism of different types and yoga to go hey the the ultimate goal here is psychological flexibility yeah but what that what you use that with depends on your value system, and so it's a way more flexible thing. Whereas it's not like, oh, you're not meditating to wake up and see through the illusion of self and, and yeah, capitalism yeah. and blah yeah, blah blah. Yeah. It's like, oh, bugger off then. It's like, no, no. Like, what happens if you just like, yeah, I'm like, I'm doing my podcast and I'm like yeah. filming this, or or you you're running your cafe or you you're working as a physio. There's a way to enrich that with it and give it more meaning and 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 purpose, but. Um, like a great book that I recently well, earlier this year I read called Mick Mindfulness. It sort of was a really cool oh, yeah, okay. bit of a bit of like a socialist critique on on how meditation's been sort of co opted by. Yeah. This is you know take the words with a grain of salt with the like kind of neoliberal complex to just pass off the faults of society onto the individual. So it's like oh you're stressed it's your fault just meditate like yeah. Um, there's like issues with that but it's still very powerful and so like my big thing is it should be first of all connected to the values of the person and what they want out of life and hopefully that's wholesome yeah. <laughs> you know they're not wanting to take over the world or hurt others and then secondly it's meant to be connected to this deeper sort of soteriology of like waking up to something a bit more meaningful um yeah and something a bit more interconnected where it's like oh like my well-being is is yours yeah, too yeah 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 yep. yeah i feel like yeah that's probably yeah that's probably a really good place to sort of get to mm. it in terms of like i guess the compassion yeah, uh, yeah. like the compassion end of it because i think uh there's no i guess the, like you get or well, for me i got hit with this like okay so do you want to just go do the cave thing 
because like what you can sort of there's like a level that, yeah. of insight that you sort of almost get to when you're like oh nothing matters essentially like i'm not who i thought i was like that you, you can have that powerful of a reaction to this stuff where it's like it really like you just hit a ground floor like yeah. there's just nothing really there and then you know you sort of make a decision of like okay like you, you either you're either in or you're out and it's like the out is what those dudes do yeah and it's like they go and they sit down and they stay there and yep. it's like that's how they live their life maybe they teach people every now and again but it's like they're probably not even being that called to do that because there's just probably not a lot of striving wanting you know that that's present because mm-hmm. they're all parts of this self that they can kind of see through um but it's like if you're not going to do that and you do like your job and you, you know cause i love my job i love Same. my life i love you know the what i've got going on here so it's like you have to be a self to do that like at every point in every time that and it's not even like a uh, self it's like selfing it's like a process that you're doing it's yeah, like yeah well said it's like yeah you, to say like oh i am myself is a weird thing in a way <laughs> like to you think of it well i think of it more as like this process of like it's like something you're dipping into and it's like you're connecting to this this these thoughts and then you're acting as this person like you're the you're the agent you know like you've connected as the model to the agent and like you're kind of going through but the problem with that is like if you stay connected all the time you're essentially just on a ride and there's not a lot of space from that and it's like mm, you're it just completely at the whim of like again it's like that cause and effect so it's like you're just a hamster on a wheel you know and there's been times like i look back at um I lived in America for pretty much all my 20s and had like none of this inside at all. And I look back at that and I'm like, that's just a movie. Like, that's just a dream. Like, that was just, I was on a ride. It was like a fucking VR ride at Disneyland. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all around you and you're on a ride and you you can't get off. And then it's just like, you just get, you get what you're given. And then so much of it is based on luck, who your parents were, who your friends were, who your influences were the dna makeup that you've got the yeah. way that you react you know like there's just uh, no point is any of that shit sort of in in your control you know so yeah there's like this weird kind of point that i feel like you know you get to where you're like oh you see through certain things but then you're like okay well you make a choice you go over there and you live like that or you stay here and then you figure out like again i think that's probably the hardest thing is like to figure out the practical applications like where does this help where does this hurt and it's like i really feel like there's this bell curve to being like to selfing where it's like you've got there's like okay this is a good idea like i should think about my place in the world i should think about who i am i should think about my impact on others like there's all these things i should think about and then it that peaks and then it goes flat for a bit and then that exact same curve goes down and then it's like this is neurosis and (laughs) suffering you know so it's like you kind of there is this balance to be found to where like you're going on the up but you're not essentially like experiencing the 
the downside that that comes with it yeah you're not like kind of so bought into the to the story that it becomes rigid because yeah. it's like yeah that selfing is a i've actually heard the the quantum physics lecturer literally say the same thing it's a yeah, great right. word because it's like at least in our like tradition and i don't know meditation in general i make it sound like it's a sectarian thing it's just it, it it's an essential truth like if we all sit we would see similar things yeah exactly we're, yeah. we're just waking up to the same reality which is changing and so are we and so it's like oh well, i'm i'm this oliver today and like i have to put a name onto it for pragmatic purposes but yeah. it's like each moment is an unfolding where you're like wow i'm different like oh this is happening oh, uh. yeah yeah and it, and when you i think when you self from that perspective when you be you from that perspective it allows it doesn't matter what you're doing like you could be a hollywood movie star or you could be a monk but it allows you to kind of just be so much i get so much more joy out of it like even something as simple as having a conversation like this mm. or talking to a client you know after client in a physio practice there's so much like in uh, it's so much more enriched yeah 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 you just like this is fascinating even on the bad days because again it allows you to go oh this isn't going to last forever because yeah. i know this is a big sea of change and the there isn't a solid sense of me that's suffering so who cares like there's no big shiny as some like teachers say we all hold this like vase of ourselves inside our cabinet of, of our brain and we kind yeah. of polish it every day and go oh you're so pretty make you better every day and then like and then someone comes along and knocks it over and it's smashed and you're like no <laughs> like life does it and then you realize that the vase was crap and you just like just keep walking like yeah <laughs> fucking crazy right <laughs> it's just oh, it's mental and every you still get stuck like i'm like yeah you, the me is a sticky thing mm. Mm. well the funny i mean i think the hard thing to balance is that like any form of for me anyway like commercial success yeah comes with like being a like being a person that's sitting and talking and then like promoting and all yep. all of um that sort of stuff so it's like you definitely yeah you definitely need to do a certain level of it to be successful and i think that um there's like a you know i guess the answer is just like is there any form of suffering present like where's the suffering here and then i think that it's like so it's like it's fine to self until there's like a level of suffering and i definitely i go in waves like the last probably two months mm. has been the worst period of meditation for me in probably the last like three years far out but just i'm just like selfing like and i know i'm selfing and it's like and i know that there's like a it's funny i think that there's definitely like when you are in that heavy like um, mode of like grind 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 striving Hustle. constantly like hustling <laughs> like trying to make shit happen there really is like a uh um like a resistance to wanting to like not self because there's like a momentum that gets gained yeah. in a way where like you're this force uh, you know like you're this selfing force that's just ga gathered so much momentum and and it's crazy like i can see it so much in athletes like there's yep. this guy Jeffrey Hurlings and he's like the baddest motherfucker on the planet on a dirt bike and I've been around him and he's the most like ego driven dude <laughs> I've ever met wow. and it's like just so singularly focused on himself and being the best but that's amazing like I don't I, I'm not there's flow in that though 
yeah like he there's so much momentum that that dude has of just like being him and just like super invested and just like everyone else sucks he's the fucking man like and it lets him do these crazy fucking things so like these peak human achievements uh that you know he's getting to on a motocross bike it's like new levels no one's ever reached it comes from that process and then what i find like kind of paradoxical in that is that when he's on the bike in his most like fucking perfect form there would be no sense of self there at all like complete flow state so it's like you've got this guy that's just so heavily invested in himself and then when he does the thing that he has been trying to do the self drops away and it's like and i can relate to that and i think this is probably why this shit really stuck for me and this is like in my audience and the people that listen to this podcast they ride motocross they surf they skate they like cars that all of these activities that these people are doing that they're chasing the feeling of the self dropping away and they're they're chasing that flow state and but they're not a so that there's no like i guess knowledge of that it's just like this gives me this so like and that was me so I grew up in a like a kind of a gnarly little environment, small mm. town in Cairns, like ah, like North outside Queensland. of Cairns, yeah, and um, a lot of like violence. Like it was a pretty rough little little spot, mm. and I was obsessed with riding a bike. Yep, because it took all that away, and it's like you don't know that as a kid, and then I got to the, you know then you go into jujitsu and it's like like sometimes I'd ride and I couldn't get shit out of my mind and I was still Mm. there I didn't ride real good other times completely gone this brilliant flow state you feel so refreshed it's like you just you've had a bath after you've ridden like emotionally you've had a bath and then then I started doing jujitsu and it was like just guaranteed every single time no matter what I slap hands I'm in completely gone and then that in conjunction with the you know like sitting a lot and reading and I was like all this is kind of starting to make sense so it's like you know you go back to that guy that's like this world champion gnarliest motherfucker and it's like just the selfing machine (laughs) just to reach this ultimate state of not having a self (laughs) and then like to be fixated on that you know like people that surf like when i talk to people about meditation like oh surfing's my meditation yep and I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, you're right, it is. But if you can't surf, you can have that. If someone cuts you off in traffic, you can have that. Like, it's the same. Like, what you're trying to get to is like, or like what you love about surfing. And like, when you're, you know, like someone can be like, fuck, I just want to surf. And they're like in traffic and the board's in the back. And so they're like, fuck. It's like they're chasing this feeling of like it all kind of dropping away. But it's like, you could have that right now at any period of time and then you don't need the you don't necessarily like need to ride or need to surf like you want to still because it's great but it's like the that needs gone and then i've found now that i can go and ride and get into that state way easier like Mm. really really easy because you just know it's there you know what it is i know the theory behind it and then you just go and do it and then you're you like that it just becomes way more available you know that's really cool because yeah it it makes it seem like a universal human need really everyone's trying to do it yeah like 
I remember even thinking back when I, like, I had my little KLX Kawasaki out the back of Townsville on the salt flats and just gassing it with my mates, doing, like, mini drags and that feeling of just... That's gone, yeah. Nothing, like, yeah. just this. And, like, and that's exactly what I'm chasing now. And same, like, my terrible, like, late 20s attempt to teach myself to surf is the same thing. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, and... Yeah, you wonder if it's an innate human desire, even though we can't put the same name on it, um, mm. because we all seek it out it's kind of ironic with you with those big egotists like you yeah. wonder if conor mcgregor has the same thing same in the ring. Yep. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they're just and they talk about and there's like a reverence that people like that everybody that is listening to this podcast right now would have like something in their life that they have like this reverence to yeah because of the feeling that it gives them and it's the same as like you can watch a fucking netflix show and <laughs> yeah. be lost yeah you know? like there's no experience uh there's no experience of anything but what you're doing and it's like you know they is it zen that says one taste that's exactly it yeah like that's what you're getting you're just getting one taste like whatever it is you're doing yeah it's just you're just there and uh yeah it's it's sort of like i guess that's my things that i've really put together over the last few years and i just i guess that's my like way of i guess pushing it on people in a sense is like you're already doing it yeah literally you're just doing it through something else like let's just get rid of the something else and then in every minute of every day like you can get that feeling that you are chasing but you don't have to do the chasing like there's no barriers to it there's no and i think that that's like a good way to i guess like show people is like you just find the thing that you do in your life that already gives you this and like reverse engineer it and that's another Nassim Taleb thing like humans are a lot better at reverse engineering than engineering big time yeah big time (laughs) the way you're talking about it's like almost you you sound like the Alan Watts of action sports just being like just see this perspective like because you're not trying to sell people on it because you don't want to be that kind of you don't want to be a heretic yeah that's it going like oh like this is the better way it's just like no this is like the human way and we're all doing it we're all like Mm. running up the mountain in different ways it's um yeah, and to reverse engineer it, I, 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 it's reassuring to hear you say, because I often wonder that when, because I've heard some people, like one guy I know, the surf physio, he, he's all about this with like the athletes he trains about like kind of bringing in flow to optimize performance and we're learning about it in the science, but to recreate it in a meditation practice in an isolated, you know, arguably to everyone listening, more boring way. Yeah. But then you go back out on the track, you go back out like, you know, on the waves with your board and all of a sudden it's way clearer like yeah. and you're there easier because as we get older that that model that that we were talking about before it gets kind of clogged yes for sure yeah man. yeah definitely because <laughs> you're going oh, I'm stressing about this but you're still like trying to you know clear the burn or something yeah just yeah. Or, or you start putting like conditions on it yes. so you're like oh, I'll surf but the waves aren't that good or fuck I don't really like my board at the moment I need to get new fins and then it's like in moto it's like oh it just fucking rain the track's not that good I gotta like I got to wash my bike when I get home and I got that they're all like that's all selfing like anytime that there's like this conversation that you're having in mm. your mind like that is this selfing that is going on and it's like if you can kind of remove 
that. Like, that's the thing, I guess, when I was saying, like, in my general life, I'm trying to, I'm essentially just trying to, like, see when that conversation starts. And then it's like, all right, what is this conversation? And I, I, there's a Buddhism thing that I do go to, which is, like, skillful or unskillful thoughts. And I think that's, like, such a really easy way. It's, like, 50-50. There's no there's no uh gray areas here it's like is this skillful is this like adding to the whole or is this like subtracting from the whole and then it's like that seems like a really easy process to um you know then you just like clip whatever thoughts you're having from the program and that and it's funny because everyone's got that capacity to go hey this like even like this serves me like even hearing a client yesterday talking about how she because she's into this how she works with her like three-year-old five-year-old and going hey was that like was that how do you feel after whacking your sister in the head and like even a five-year-old's going yeah i feel bad like that wasn't helpful yeah yeah. it's like somewhere inside all of us we're like we've got this wise i don't even knowing it's it's fascinating how we can all ask that whether you're like 12 Mm. years in a cave or you know three years in a nightclub it doesn't matter yeah (laughs) one would hope that you can ask that question of yourself and know the answer well i wonder that's like one thing that i kind of do wonder and i'd love to have a conversation with someone just like really high level Mm. uh in this like way of thinking is like is this just something that like is consciousness trying to get back to itself because essentially like if you strip the self away it's like you said it a little bit earlier but we didn't really expand on it but it's like it's almost like everyone just has this like awareness that they're that like that's essentially like what you are like what you're trapped inside consciousness like there is no experience of the physical world like i'm only seeing you because there's light that have hit four photoreceptors in my eye like there's no windows that come from my head like i'm a i'm a brain in a vat or a mind in a brain in a vat like there just isn't the context the contact with um like the real world uh as such you know so it's like we're all kind of you're just what you are is this awareness and then things added on top of awareness like sense data and then like the uh predictive you know brain that you've got got like there's just everything is just kind of like added so it's like is that what like is there some kind of intrinsic need like why did i get here why did you get here in Mm. terms of this line of thinking where it's like because to me like the I think the the free will thing was probably the thing that like was like the real doorway to like shit's kind of gone in that in that sense because you can like I I have to like imagine what free will would be like like I don't experience it I can feel that I don't like there is no feeling of agency in anything that I do like I can I know that I can like choose to do something and then I do it but that's like a feeling why of, did you choose that yeah yeah that's just a feeling like that's again a part of the story like i can explain post hoc why i did something but i can never like i can never know before i do something that i'm gonna do it it's just a thing that you do and then it's like this retroactive kind of um process you know so it's just like it's weird to have that feeling and then you can like you i don't know you just like get to that and you're like okay well then why did i get here like that is luck essentially but it's like is that some kind of need that we all have like Mm. what why do 
people get there? Why do some people not get there? Like you were saying, that's something, it's a capacity that we all have. Like we all share the exact same awareness and then you're layered over, like then there's all the layers get added to it. But it's like, yeah, is this an intrinsic kind of thing that we're trying to get to this or is the people that get to that level and then you go to the people in the caves that are like on that Mm. level it's like because you you can't function as a you can't function as a person living like that like to do the 12 years in a cave like people have to bring you food like you people keep you alive like you need to self to live so there is a very weird kind of deal so like that's the part and again i guess that then just starts getting into this metaphysical which like that can't be explained like you're only just gonna have to make shit up as to why that is the case but i'm like it's like well there's no free will and it's like it's quite obvious like i'd I'd have to make up the feeling of it like i'd have to imagine what it feels like it's not the other way around like i don't have to imagine what like not having free will would feel like like that's what it feels like i'd have to imagine like what it would be like to actually be able to control anything that I do. Um, but it's like that, yeah, why do you get to that? And, and how do you get to that? It's fucking, that's the bit that's weird. Yeah, the co- the causes and conditions behind it are ridiculous. Like, because it makes your brain melt if you stew on it long enough. Because you, you, there's that sense, I mean, f- for you, because you've stewed on it for quite a while, but like you, you bring this in front of the average person and they go, oh, well, no, what do you mean? Like I do what I do because I want to. And it's yeah. like, and, and look, look again, like, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's easy. It's just like, don't think about a pink elephant. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, fuck, you, you're uh, killing it. Yeah, yeah. Well done, mate. How's your free will going? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, these karmic sort of forces, I hate that word because it sort of makes it seem like there's this, you know, big moral storm of arrows going around to everyone, but it's more about like, it's like we're all biological and you can think of it like seeds. Like they talk about it. I really love this concept of the storehouse. Um, that comes from Mahayana Buddhism where it's like we've all got these seeds in us and, and they come from they're not most of them aren't ours like ours yeah, is in like 100% like culture exactly yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, got it yeah. yeah and they pop up randomly because you never know you're going to be a murdering asshole until society collapses and you have to defend your dog from someone who wants to get it and then you like okay I'm going to kill someone like, yeah. and then you never knew that was there but it's there yeah. and there's seed potentials for literally everything you know for the awakened dude in the cave and for well it's just like I think of it as like inputs outputs yep exactly like yep. you just don't like if someone gives you this input you give that output yep. and like you don't have a choice and you don't have control over it like you didn't plan for it it wasn't something that you may have wanted or you thought you were capable of but it's like you get this input you get that output like if some who's Ronan who's some super hot chick like famous <laughs> chick who I, I'm drawing blanks Can you shoot me a name Someone smoking hot. What was the one who, like, Machine Gun um, Kelly? Um, what's her name on Logan Paul podcast? Karina Karina Conf. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's go with her. She's hot of- as fuck, right? <laughs> Karina Conf comes up to any dude, any fucking dude's like, wait, I want to suck your dick right now in private. Not gonna tell you. That's a fucking input that you do not know. Like, you could sit here and nobly say, like, yeah, I would I deny. Do fuck she's sucking my dick a hundred percent of the time you know and it's just like you can that's oh a, like a, a weird analogy that's but it's like hilarious. how many fucking dudes could say like presented that input 
how many dudes could say no? They'd be like, Whoa. the output would be fucking pretty similar it's across the trap. board. <laughs> and you know it's a trap, and you can't even fucking stop it. <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. It's, it's ex- exactly kind of yeah, exactly what happens. Like so I cut you off though. Uh, where where are we going with? That? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I just I love it. No, because I don't. I don't get to talk about this that much. It's cool to yeah. To, like, I'm the same to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why I really love that like discussion you had. I didn't even realize it was, was it two years ago with Taylor. Was yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like I'm just hearing you guys talk about that. I was like, oh, this is so refreshing to have like other people just in the zeitgeist talking about this stuff because it feels like it's it's becoming cooler, but it's really nice because I think it just makes life better like big time yeah yeah um it's nicer to talk about ideas than like than other people or i mean events are cool too but yeah yeah ideas are always nicer so i guess like when was your first uh like so you get home and then you start <laughs> like practicing like how did it look like for you at the start good and question. then why'd you get into zen when you'd obviously like sampled a bunch of different and do you do like sorry multi-level go questions. for it throw them all and then do you do like are you in like are you doing koans as well is that a part of what you do or you're not doing the koan thing nah teacher hasn't given me that yet so how i, I came back from india like un, unloaded all these ideas onto my poor like 16 year old sister like you're like the crazy dude and um, always sunny in philadelphia just like and then there's this and then there's this yeah and yeah she's I like, feel like that dude a lot. yeah okay cool cool <laughs> <laughs> um she's still like that she's like yeah calm down ollie um and then i'm like oh, i've got to find a practice and i ended up um, I ended up going on a Vipassana retreat on like a mid holiday between uni semesters down in Blue Mountains yeah. and was just like, like, okay, fine. I've finally got like a technical practice and it really worked for me. Still does like this kind just of the breathing, yeah, and, yeah. breathing awareness, like body scan. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you, the whole gist of it, like secret unveiled, like spoiler alert, you first three days, you focus on just the tip of your nose. So you're building that concentrative power, like a muscle. Yeah. And then the rest of the retreat, you then take that concentrated power and scan the body and you'll find really pleasant really unpleasant and everything between sensations and your job is to do nothing but not react to them and Mm. just keep scanning and it sort of trains you in like uh equanimous flow if you will so then from there obviously that has profound effects on uh purpose consciousness mates are going off to different trips in holidays and i'm like i just want to meditate more yeah but then i you know relapse i go back it's it's difficult to establish a practice because i'm we all have different like I'm, I, I like. It's difficult for me to do stuff without my mates and other people around me. Um, you know, doing the complete opposite. It feels like the sort of momentum runs out for me at a certain point, and that's just me with my sort of as talking about me my as a solid thing like we talked about before but the sort of karmic inertia of my life has I've figured that out about myself. So yeah, I go okay. Yeah. I need a bit of a community and an ex-girlfriend's parents lived down here and we came down for a visit to the Goldie and I'm like right into Ashtanga yoga. There's this yoga teacher who's running a five day intensive and I was like, I've heard about this guy. I'm going to go. I know he's a Zen monk. He's pretty on the down low. I go and practice with him and I ask him at the end, like, Hey, can I ask you some questions about my meditation practice? Cause the Vipassana stuff starting to falter. Yeah, I've been on three retreats, uh, and it's just like it's fizzling. There's issues with it. It's hitting and a few what, roadblocks. What what sort of roadblocks were you getting to with it? Um, good question. Sort of 
a lack of almost like the like the fuel was running out in the tank like a putt putt yeah, putt and then just yeah. I kept trying to push but it felt like there was no fuel there so the car was just standing still the meditation practice was faltering it wasn't doing what I thought meditation practice should do to a certain point which is like you know starting to unfold deeper layers of rigidity of self like I was still getting you know really agitated or like the selfing was coming up strong in other ways yeah, and I needed yeah. a teacher to be like that's normal that's not that's this that's that and a lot of it was still just the process unfolding yeah so, which it usually is it's all good keep going he I met him I go right you know can yeah can you help me out he's like yeah email me and then we email back and forth and I I go right this this guy's legit and I start visiting driving down on uni holidays again towards the end of my degree and then I eventually go okay I'm gonna do the like old traditional thing can I be your student I'd love to learn meditation and he teaches me zen and that differs in a way that or at least in Soto Zen it's about that one taste or like mm. as the teacher of my teacher's teacher says in Japanese ichi tentai like just this one doing mm. and that's like talking to you that's washing mm. the dishes that's the end moment yep that's it completely just this very difficult easier way like way easier said than done and so the practice then sort of became more breath counting which then unfolds into more like non-grasping they call it just sitting and it, and it sounds like the simplest thing ever but to practice it is one of the most difficult things I've ever come across and needs a lot of close guidance and like back and forth like checking in with him going is this, is this still working like we still mm. is this boat still going in the right direction he's like yeah yeah keep paddling I'm like okay radio and so I did that and I was like okay I've got to move down here because I want to I just want to keep it going wherever this goes um and I, yeah, I got a physio job and here I am. Uh, and it's been really cool because he, he uses Ashtanga yoga as like, uh, obviously like a skillful means, a skillful tool. Yeah. It's like, you know, and you can use whatever you want. You could use jujitsu, you could use surfing. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the, the quantum physics dude, he loves surfing, like loves it. Like bailed on one winter retreat to go to um, the Mentawi with yeah, his, with his yeah. sons. Like, yeah. so he, you know, it's, it's, they're all yeah there's a there's a diversity in it but he uses that to sort of channel and superpower the sitting yeah and obviously it's way easier to sit with less pain when you've got like heaps of hip range of motion yeah and, yeah and and a bit more strength in end ranges and so your joints are like yeah sweet so like this weekend i'm doing a prolonged kind of uh day and it's going to be hopefully maybe a bit easier like because of the yeah. yoga and the concentration that you build in that so yeah i think if those answer all your questions I'm, yeah yeah here with yeah and so i just like catch up with him like a jujitsu coach and just like you know you go to class maybe two, two times a week maybe more yeah and you go hey and he like gives you input and you're still doing your thing but that sense of being part of a community part yeah. of like a it helps you feel like yeah this is still important because you get pulled like older parts of me you know that yeah the, yeah definitely they resurface and go oh, i like want to be this or like excessive career focus or god knows what yeah. and, and then you're like no no wait 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 what was the original purpose of this <laughs> yeah. worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, that's that's definitely like one thing, because I feel like I've been following you for a while since Benny um, Mawson mentioned you, so congrats to Benny as well. They yeah. just had their, their little baby girl. Massive congrats. Um, Epic parents they're going to be. Yeah, big time. Imagine having a dad-like band. <laughs> they're set. Like, that that little girl is going to have the best life. I know, killing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was one of those things where like I, I started following you and he's like, you got to reach out, you got to get him on the podcast. I'm like, ah, don't really like gurus. You know, so I was like trying to... <laughs> oh, man. So I was like trying to follow you for a bit before I, before I hit yeah, you up fair. to just see like, you know, what the messaging is. Like, how is this delivered how is it you know is this like this informational thing and the other thing as well i guess is like the the flexibility and mobility and the strength that you've got Mm. with the physical side of it as well like i've got a lot of respect for that um and i think that you know again it's like one of those things where it's like ah there's just not a guy giving advice like here's a dude that you can see what he's doing and i think that's like the most important thing you know like yeah. it's so much easier <clears throat> i just think actions matter more than words you know what i mean uh, especially in day in these day and age um but yeah so to see like the level because i mean rones go go to ollie's instagram and just like there's some ridiculous shit uh, no, no this ollie it's in the, the first half <laughs> fair he's cooler than me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so this position here like so for anyone that uh oh yeah this is pretty hectic (laughs) so um yeah to achieve like this level is fucking insane so there's uh there's a there's a serious level of like commitment and like actually doing what you're saying uh going on with with the stuff that you do so that's like yeah for whatever it's worth does look like a circus act um how long like okay so we'll talk about the stretching stuff i'm fucking obsessed with stretching it's like a big thing i broke my hip last year so like yeah it was like gnarly i did like a degloving injury as well so like the whole left hand side of my back to like just under my ass cheek was it's still just like scar tissue nerve damage like it was fucking gnarly but um stretching got me through that and now i'm more flexible than i was before I had my injury um, and it's something that if I'm a heretic for anything on this podcast, it's reading and stretching. That's, <laughs> but, um, they'll carry you a long way. Yeah. I'm just like, you know what? Come at me. If you don't fucking like it, I feel like they're good for you. So I'm good. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, there's like, you're, you're not going to, yeah, there's nothing wrong with those ever. So you've got an extreme level of mobility and flexibility. <laughs> um, where, yeah. did, where was your starting point? I... Um, on that India trip, I was in Rishikesh of all places, the home of yoga, as they say. And me and a mate were like, let's try out yoga. Like, this will be cool. Um, and then I just, it was real chill. Like what, like you'd have in a grandma kind of yoga gym class in the Goldie. And I was, I was like, I feel really good. And I was like, I 
play, mainly played AFL growing up in like yeah. Darwin in high school, and so like I was not a flexible dude. Like yeah, so flex that you weren't nah, super flexible. No, nah, I'm okay. not born like hypermobile. Same as any other guy, yeah, probably okay. less so. Like, and then I go, okay, this is cool. I'll remember this, and I come back to where my parents are in Townsville. And shout out to Alison Dealing. She kicked off. She's like my yoga mum. Started off the journey in her studio in Townsville, and I did like a month intro to Ashtanga yoga. And I went, "This is." And so, what's epic. Ashtanga as opposed to like? Yeah. I'm definitely not well versed. No, in no, you wouldn't practices. expect you to. It's like, man, there's too many now. But like, yoga's yoga in the sense that it's a path that's there to still your mind. It was originally just about meditation, and then like couple of thousand years ago they added on poses and then now there's different pose schools so ashtanga yoga put simply is a way as a physical form of yoga is like more dynamic each pose is held for about five breaths five to eight breaths yeah and it's and it's it's one of the original ones that came to the west so when you go to like a vinyasa class or power vinyasa class yeah this was like the original yeah the, there's yep. like a lineage and yeah it's like yeah. classical which then gets to jazz and then we get rock yeah and it's like different yeah. flavors but it's all cool yeah it's yeah. similar to that and whereas where but the focus with this is like it's still meditative there's lots of spiritualities to it even though that word is annoying so it's like it's dynamic it's strength-based it engaged me as a guy because it was like here's one thing that's nearly got it all like it's there's strength physical prowess meditative focus deeper meaning and purpose to like wake up work through stuff because there's breathing work throughout the whole movement sequence that like high powers uh, an, an inner awareness because yeah. if you take this into meditation as like a lot of Ashtanga teachers talk about it's like you've got you've just plant you set up a veggie plot in like volcanic soil like it's ready to yeah, go yeah. and you can plant whatever you want in there you can plant and it's gonna grow yeah it, you can plant an egoic self you can plant a desire to get more out of like meditated practice to wake up whatever and it'll work uh, so it's a tool and anyway I, I do the intro course um, you know, like that pose where your feet are together. It's kind of like cobbler's pose or bound angle, they call it. Yeah. My knees are up near my ears. Yeah, my hips yeah. hurt. I moved to Melbourne to do an economics degree, which only like I tried for six months. And they, um, I'd start with this, with Ashtanga Yoga Center in Melbourne, go to classes there regularly. And it just opens up. My bo- Luckily, I think, because I was, um, I don't have the best attention span early on, still sometime nowadays, which is probably why I sit. I got results fairly quickly enough. I think it's probably because it was all I was doing apart from riding my bike to and from Melbourne, around Melbourne. So everything opens up. I feel great. And then How it long did of, it take you to like, and when you say opens up, like... Oh, my hips a bit. Yeah. And so like, how long was that? And like, what was the process that you felt like because I think that's one of the things that, um, like, I probably feel like I'm having just starting to have some like real good results. Where like, mm. it's almost like a curve, you know, like you're going like this, and then it slowly, you know, yep. it slowly starts to ramp up, and then you like, there's a almost like a patch where it it's it's like it takes longer than you expect to get any kind of results, but then once you do, it's you actually get results fairly quickly. So like, how long was that for you? Uh, pretty quick given the knowledge I now have on flexibility training uh, overall, whether it's within yoga or just outside of it. About three to six months, I'd say. I started to see stuff pretty soon, but it was because of the frequency. So I was doing ashtanga when you get into it they're like all right at least do this every morning to some extent the sequence is the same it builds on it gets more and more complex there's progressive series 
that's part of third series. It looks kooky uh, and you get that. But earlier on, I was doing at least two times a week. And so that was enough to start the sea change. And then I started to add on more and more and more. And it, and it like, you know, four or five times a week. And then I really started to notice it. And that's the thing now, like one bloke you'd probably really dig to follow on Instagram that I now learned from uh, Dan, Daniel Van Zant. He's a. Go follow that motherfucker. Flexibility.research on Instagram. If you go to Instagram, he, um, he is a legend what is it? so just flexibility dot research it should be that's him done Dan Van Zant. that dude needs to be more popular um f- following for us right physics nerd like he'll be right up your Where's alley he from he's from England yeah right um just an absolute brainiac runs a flexibility trainer course with like all the research behind it um has made me stop using the word mobility because apparently that doesn't describe flexibility but he's that that's just like a petty thing yeah but um yeah he talks about like what's needed like the frequency of it where it's useful what it does for you and um any super science based so like a lot of this stuff um frequency matters so unlike strength training where you can get away with like one or two sessions a week and And then it builds after yeah yeah yeah. you can get most of your gains most of this stuff it's it's like brushing your teeth you kind of want to do little bits of it every day Mm. um and it all depends on what your goal is like yoga obviously has multifaceted goals in one thing whereas stretching of its own to improve range of motion that's different and so Mm. And the cool thing I've realized now in like a physio physical sense is that different bodies respond to different things, like different types of flexibility training. So a lot of my mates, like stiffer blokes that don't like yoga in like the movement calisthenics world will like, like, especially like Benny will get flexible from weighted flexibility work, like doing Jefferson curls or, um, you know, like a pigeon forward fold, but with weights on your back or something yeah, like yeah. that. And so there's different types of flexibility training that suit different people. Like, like I, you know, was filming some videos on the weekend to make a course for this stuff because I don't see enough of it. So I want to make it like out there for people. Yeah. And you can, you can, and then that sometimes makes it faster. Yeah. Like let's say 10 years of yoga and I had real issues touching my toes for a lot of it or like getting a nice comfortable yeah, pike right. forward fold. Yeah. Cause like the passive stretching, the softer stuff, took me the body weight based stuff took me a certain way when we're just and again we're just talking physical here then doing something like a jefferson curl which is like standing on an elevated yeah surface. i've been doing a lot of them lately. you know them yeah, sick yeah. okay good but uh, one of my questions here is uh, yeah explain um atg style jefferson curls so that you can explain that next <laughs> yeah epic so, so yeah jefferson curls took me there and like i had hamstring tendon pain because it was pulling and the hammies weren't given the strength they needed yeah so now with yoga i've learned how to add stuff stuff in because just doing that just doing ashtanga um it hasn't been enough for me yeah and so right. i've learned to add other stuff in so i go to the gym once a week i do single leg deadlifts and stuff like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so atg ben patrick is he's done amazing work for for like quite simple stuff atg is i think um athletic truth group i think they call themselves i just think it was asked to cross like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like squats but no nah, uh atg style jefferson cole is are you talking about the one where they're yeah, on the incline yeah yeah gnarly can, be- can you go to can you go to um oliver's instagram again there's a video of him doing it so i've been doing a bunch of jefferson curls 
um, oh, for a while now. Probably have to go way yeah, down. Yeah, it's down a little bit. Um, oh. And then I saw you were doing this. So one of the... Um, one of the things that kind of hurts me when I'm doing uh, Jefferson curls, I feel like my calves are pretty tight. Yeah. So I, I yep. was like, uh, and then the other day I actually had like my um, calves like fully rolled out with the barbell. And oh, then I, nice. And then I noticed that like I could, like my pike position felt there so much easier. Blue kettlebell. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. Bit of like foam rolling style stuff. Yeah, so like I got that depth of a forward fold because of like the actual use of the yeah, weight. Yeah, so you got to a point with just like normal stretching, and then you had to go to like a weighted stretch. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, what what does that come from? Do you think? Because like, so for me, like a butterfly stretch is yeah. something that I've actually like my night meditations. I've got off the couch and I'm like just sitting on my bed with like my leg, and I'm just like literally just resting my arms, trying to get that motion down every day mm. um but yeah it's like i feel like i've been doing a butterfly stretch for fucking years and I st- i'm still there's nothing like it's not really getting any better and i feel like i've got like pinching in my hips you know it's like it's not i can't even really stretch the groin area essentially because it's like it just something blocks on the hip so i think that's probably one of like the hardest things with like mm. trying to be flexible is that you're almost left to just like chase shit around and it takes for me anyway like it just it takes fucking years to try and figure out exactly what's causing what like the calf thing you know like you you get your calves rolled out like extensively one day and then you're like oh wow my pike's a lot better yeah so like we find that's where that's where i love like my job because we all like you go a lot further with a coach or with someone who knows their mm. stuff and it doesn't mean you need to be beholden to them for years but you can get nuggets like yeah. like just like i have over the years and what happens is is that you yeah like for example this i got off a friend who's a movement coach from sweden yeah i like doing these these are great because it like puts that terminal tension so you're, so you're doing that while the weight's on it yeah and i'm hanging it so it um keep it trains the hip flexion so that forward fold but then works the hammy through the range because uh anatomically the hammy covers into the pelvis yeah so it crosses two joints but also over the knee because it actually inserts into the shin bone the hammy muscles yeah right yeah so like um or in, in your case that thing with the calf that would be most likely a combination of calf eccentric strength like how strong the nervous system is at allowing that calf to lengthen but remain tense yeah and also the neural tension like the the actual physical nerves um tolerance to stretch that's why sometimes you see those like kung fu bouncing stretches they're like pretty high level and risky but good at reducing that neural tension yeah right uh so that can be a contributing factor which gets like partially resolved through these things so what we've got to do is go right well where's the person's need and a good assessments there so like it, some people's hips are just shaped differently so you've got to go okay well there's a limitation there yeah, yeah. Um, but most of the time there's more that we can squeeze out of the you know the plastic adaptive side of the body than we think so in your case it might be like right often 
to put it simply, things are tight because the nervous system doesn't feel safe. Yeah, it doesn't want to let them go. Yeah, the yep. modeling system goes, no, nah, yep. I don't trust you out there riding your motorbike after dark, so you got to come back at like 6 o'clock. Yep. And you yep. go, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you, like, you have to prove to the internal mum that you are. So how do you do that? You give it strength through range. So my Jefferson curl now in the morning, touch my toes, boom, straight away. Yeah. And it, it's because the hammies are like, yeah, we got this, fine, yeah. Whereas like maybe years, months ago, it's like maybe yeah yeah and that makes it tighten up uh and that's the same for any muscle group people getting overhead coming back from injuries working through whatever and there's a menu of options you can choose sometimes staying in a passive stretch longer will be what does it sometimes no often what's best is a mix of both Mm. bit of passive stretching which is what everyone thinks about stretching just holding something for ages like maybe like a yin yoga class and then active dynamic stretching, like what you're seeing on the screen. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot into it. There's a um, lot. And so what about the... So one thing, um, I'm just trying to like bring all this back to like my own question, you know? Yeah, no. questions hey, of like what it. I've kind of... What I'm going through with it. Um, what do you think about like trigger point therapy? Because that's probably something that I... Like, I'd say I probably balance my time, like, 50-50. Like, some nights I don't really stretch, but I'll spend, like, two hours of, like, doing release sort of stuff um, because I feel like... I feel like if I'm trying to stretch a muscle that has a knot in it, it's like stretching a bit of rope that has a knot in it. Yeah. Like, you're just going to tighten the knot, essentially. You're not really going to lengthen the rope. Um, so, I mean, I can know... Like, if I did 20 minutes of hamstring release... And then went and did this, I'd have like this crazy, like probably 15% better mobility. Um, But then to do that every time and then it's like, I don't know, I I sort of don't really know. Um, I definitely feel like a lot of relief that comes from trigger point stuff. And and when I do it, um, I'm doing so like the psoas for example yeah. like i'll do i got like a so right oh they're and yeah they're gnarly gnarly like every <laughs> fuck uh, i don't know i did one the other night where i probably spent 25 minutes on one spot just and you literally just feel it like it's excruciating and you just feel it like slowly let go over time and mm. like you feel like you're changing your anatomy. Like it's a pretty insane difference. Cause I know like we spend a lot of time sitting down editing. So it's a, you're in like that contracted, um, you know, mode when you're sitting down, I guess. Mm. Um, and so it like, I go after, you know, a couple of weeks, it just gets really tired. I start getting a lot of back pain. I start to feel like kind of spasmy in like in my ab area. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like, in my head I'm like alright so is this process that I'm doing because it feels like if you just release it and then go back to normal life it's just going to go back to the way that it was you know, it feels like it's a maintenance thing not like or like treating the symptoms but not curing it yeah. so now it's yeah. almost like okay I've got to do this and this is like a good thing to keep doing but then you need to strengthen and stretch to try and like almost try and prevent it from going back to the way that it was i don't know if that makes sense no that makes in my my head that's kind of where i'm at with it yeah it's really well said like you know for like i any decent physio probably say a similar thing where it's like but one thing that's a bit controversial in the physio world at the moment particularly the one bonds of us that really like to back up what we're doing with science 
is that like foam rolling and a lot of those trigger point things muscles never really have knots um in the way that we thought because it's more of that mechanical way of thinking of the body there's like the even the existence of trigger points is debated like you know the existence of i don't know or the exact mathematics of like the event horizon on a black hole like physicists just yelling at each other going this is that yeah physios do the same thing and so it's like does it exist we don't even know can you prove it blah 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 why are you putting a needle in it i don't know like what's actually happening still we don't really know if you're really skeptical so long story short what i reckon is is that the time opportunity cost for that sort of stuff it really helps i've done it in the past and depending on the limitations of someone so let's say you're coming back after that hectic degloving injury you had maybe that's all you can do so fine cool no worries but at a certain point there's more bang for buck stuff Mm. you know like there's better ways to invest your time into your body because what i've found is i haven't touched a trigger point ball in years Mm. i haven't touched a foam roll the only time i use a foam roll is to roll up my upper back so that i can get better range of motion before i do like up dogs and yoga yeah or i use a yoga wheel i never roll out my thighs because i learned long like a couple of years ago from a great a Canadian old lady like she's in her 70s now Diane Jacobs it's all about the nervous system and the nervous system is as complex as the known universe mm. the amount of neurons in our brain and central nervous system so we're working with something really complex sometimes I'll massage people and they come out and they like feel amazing sometimes they feel worse it is super unpredictable yeah so what I've found is the bang for buck proven stuff for improving range of motion is stretching weighted full range of motion strength work like full range deadlifts like Jefferson curls like single leg deadlifts like Bulgarian split squats would be a great one for you with your hip flexors can you pull one of them up Bulgarian split squat I love that exercise it's like if I I nearly give it to everyone much to their delight yeah (laughs) so something like that might be more useful long term for your hip flexor range and your psoas tightness than like the so right not to say the so right's not evil yeah helps but it's like for your time and then you it's we talk about it like the basement your floor and your ceiling the basement is sort of oh, where yeah. your body's used, like where you can go down to. This cunt is an axe, bro. Yeah, he's shredded. <laughs> Fucking thick. <It's> solid. <laughs> That's a, yeah, it's a good Spolgarian split squat. So you can go real close. And then like after that, you could do... Oh, actually, I'll give you a laugh. Can you go to Instagram? There's one dude who you'll, you'll love because he, he like shows all of this loaded flexibility stuff. J-O-A-C-H. That's him. Joachim Hilderson, the crazy Dutchman. So he does weighted flexibility work. I already follow this dude. Oh, sweet. Yeah, Yeah. he's a fucking animal, man. He is hectic. He's an example of like what happens when you use efficient bang for buck stuff because you keep that flexibility. Oh, look at that ankle shit there. Yeah, the stuff he does, I'm like, oh, man. Go up one, Reigns. Look at that. So That is gnarly. So I'm super, super tight. So the thing that got me... That's high level. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking... (laughs) Don't do that, everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing that... God, jiu-jitsu is the thing that got me into flexibility because I realized... So there'd be like the... You'd see the black belts, right? And they're just so supple. Like all of them. Yeah. Well, pretty much all of them. Like even my professor, he's like 120 kilo Brazilian dude. He's fucking massive. He's like 6'4". And he just sits like that, you know, like, so he'll be giving the instructions in class and he's just comfortably sitting 
on completely on his heels. Like there's just no mobility issue there at wow. all. And then I'm like sitting up and like real janky and fucked and my heel <laughs> won't touch my ass. And I'm like, wow, like I'm really, really bad at this. And then I couldn't do a squat at all. Like just to sit down and do like a Slavic squat or like an yeah. Asian squat. Couldn't do that. Like there was so many limitations that I found in my body. Yeah. And then I realized like, oh, this actually isn't normal. To- I thought it was normal. You get older, you get less flexible. That's how your body works. No, it's just like this process of degeneration and you like haven't done anything to like stop it or, or like reverse Literally. it, you know? Yep. So I've got to the point now where I can do a squat. Um, I have my hands flat on the floor in like a pike and, nice. um, and I, I still have pain doing this though. Um, yeah, I that I similar experience. This particular position, like kneeling or Caesar, or like there's heaps of names for it. it like the knee end range knee flexion, depending on what your knees are used to, because ultimately it's the nervous system, but then also partially your joint tissues. Yeah, have like it's like what they're used to, like. The yeah. strain of being on a bike and your grip strength that you guys have, like that's next level. You've built that up over years. Your body's like, there's yeah, going to cool. be something like there's a payoff yeah. to that. Eh? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like we all adapt specifically like trees to the wind, you know, they bend and curve and, and it, not to say that we can't. Cause like you look at Rogan, like Joe Rogan, he's like in his fifties and the dude can do a middle split better than I can. I've been working on it for like three years straight. That's my worst thing of flexibility is a middle split. It, yeah. Same. It's, it's, it's fucking hectic. Bastard of a position, um, but stuff works, uh, and all of this active stuff works because it talks to the tissue. It sort of asks more of it. It's like you mm. know when you got like it's like overloading it in a way. Yeah, and you get that adaptation because the body, like us, is lazy, and there are limited resources. That free energy principle is kind of behind that where there's limited resources so we've got to pick the stuff that matters and the body doesn't really think anything matters until you push 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 and that's like mm. oh, fine okay i'll adapt like yeah you're going for all these runs gosh i better like change the cardiovascular function or yep. with this i better like change the knee like cartilage and connective tissue so that it can allow this position yeah etc cetera, etc cetera. and so you've got to ask of it but there's a, you know it's easy to overload it's easy to underload so the goldilocks yeah. zone is the big mystery but it's accessible and like you just got to figure out your own way but i definitely lean towards the side of more active stuff because you you reduce the need for like i know power lifters that just don't touch a foam roller don't tough don't touch a, a trigger point ball not because it's not evil but because it's just like they can use that time for other stuff if they want to like yeah, to read yeah. a book to run a podcast or whatever yeah yeah um and they're pretty flexible like so this stuff works better which is why yeah as i said like i recorded that stuff on the weekend and hopefully at the end of this year we'll have something up for, yeah i'd be super interested yeah. to, to watch that because yeah it's um yeah like jefferson curls i started doing and see quite a lot of success for them and i get um i actually get like sore hamstrings like i've done deadlifts good um yeah from from doing it Same. <laughs> uh, and so what's the prescription of time that you want to give to like active stre- uh, stretching like this kind of stuff like how long should you be holding it is there like a right or a wrong good question generally i've found in my experience that two to three sets five reps with a final hold an isometric hold so you're not resting in it but you're actually contracting so let's say jefferson curl is an example most of the exercises tend towards this where i'll do my three sets or two sets 
five reps each time and on the last rep i'll hold it at the bottom making sure all my muscles are working i'm not like letting the weight rest on the ground and then i stay there for five to ten seconds or the yogi in me counts five breaths yeah and then i come out i do that i've found the best results early on as long as you not have you don't already have a hectic training schedule at least twice a week yeah probably no more than four to five because it's kind of like doing deadlifts where it's like yeah. you don't want to do deadlifts the next day after doing deadlifts like everyone's felt that hopefully they've they've all like gone no obviously bad idea yeah or like going for a run after you did a long run the day before the body has to recover and this is the cool thing because as the body adapts you find a new level of normal yeah which is what like i experience now like i'll go to yoga class the savo and because of doing loaded pigeon folds my hip external rotation can do the stuff that you see on that video yeah which took time and some days are shit so you it's like two steps back three steps forward yeah two steps back five steps forward it changes but if you do minimum two times a week up to four to five usually the two to three sets of five reps with a hold in the end yeah. of whatever your position is always happy for people to message me hey on instagram yeah, with this yeah. stuff uh that's that's like a general rule that works for most yeah right and so um do you have like so the pigeon like yep. so in in a jiu-jitsu context mm. having like my heel to be able to go over my head um is well like fuck who would be like i should show you some, do you know much jiu-jitsu stuff like a little bit like just i know like like you've got the gracie family that like is behind mm. it and then like I, I learned a little bit from steve maxwell who's an old jiu-jitsu black belt but that's like that's just trying to think of who's got like a crazy like guard game um current yeah like go to like a um just type in like ari to back like see if we pull up ari's yeah go to ari's so like uh go down we'll try and find something where he's like you can just see the flexibility oh, i love these guys they're so impressive um keep going just keep going just go to like something yeah like that we'll just see <laughs> yeah wow like so this. like basically <sighs> so in in jiu-jitsu to oh, so no he's just gonna take it back so you can hopefully you can see like the hip <laughs> dexterity here yeah you need um, it yeah so if there was x out of this one it'd be cool to find oh that was a good example of it um go up a bit rose what's this one here in the middle yeah, you need one where he's like really yeah so you'd be able to see like the that's end range hip flexion yeah, yeah he's got good control so basically like if you can touch your <laughs> if you can touch your heel to your head and then see that hamstring flexibility to where like yep. they're, they're trying to he's trying to expose the back there essentially gotcha um but yeah so if you can have um yeah just insane hip dexterity and and you can basically like on demand kind of point your heel like essentially touch your heel to like your chest or your chin or whatever mm. then it's like there's a um yeah you'll get it's going to be really 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 hard to beat you essentially so like that's pretty much what i'm kind of working towards is to get into that position cool. um and so it's like can you get let's say you just train that pigeon and weighted pigeon and you like really work on that like is it with flexibility where you need to be like training the chain of muscles around it to open it up or is it specific enough to where it's like if you had one goal then you go all the way into this one stretch and you'll get there or it's like you'll only get to a certain 
point with it unless you have flexible this 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 around it so it's like is there research around that Uh, or in your experience like do you have anything that can speak to that it depends on the person's structure and the level of conditioning because obviously at a certain point like how at at a certain point in a pigeon your lumbar spine is going to have to flex curl forward and if it's not tolerant to that or very bendy in that way then it'll start to complain so yeah when you pull on you know one thing you're going to pull everything else along to some degree but there is a level of specificity you can just do pigeons and work on improving that end range hip flexion and external rotation so in that case um it would be about like like let's say if i was to throw your golden trinity to a a jiu-jitsu person i'm not sure if you use hip extension much like knee behind you would not, not probably not hey it'd be all like curling flexion yeah, it's based. more like in you're in, trying to yeah. essentially like so one big range of motion like uh what are they, are they called hail mary's no, I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> got different everything. Names. Yeah, there'd be a million names. So like, you can sit on a bench with like your knees kind of up, and then you get a weight on your back, and then you just like lean all the way forward. Yeah, and good you, mornings. Yep. Is that our oh, good mornings? How Marys? Well, yeah, knees wide. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. They are called good mornings. I've yeah, so how Marys for some reason. That's one of the ones that I've yeah I've put on the program. So you've got like that's a straddle good morning, and that's like the the first step to where you start to put your legs out straight doing it. Yeah. Um, that would be a great one. So yeah, my top three would be like Jefferson curl loaded pigeon weighted straddle good morning uh, but all of these of course regressed progressed to the individual's capacity because yeah. like throwing putting someone straight on the ground in a straddle where their hammies and adductors are crap their pelvis is going to tuck underneath and it's just going to put all the force on the low back yeah which um it could probably handle for a bit but not for long so you you change it around you maybe get the hips up on a box bend the knees and then add the weight on and then progress it over time like ben patrick does with his atg stuff you see him doing those yeah those three would be great because you're getting that 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 bending forward the hip abduction external rotation and flexion plus all the lumbar adaptation and your core would just inherently get stronger because it has to brace to handle the extra load on the spine and on the body compared to just body weight so i've found like my core goes like has gotten a lot better which is why like let's say after jefferson curls i'll do toes to bar lifts or some hip flexion so what's that look like that looks like if you go back to the instagram i've got my like my profile on that same video go next there that's why i've got the ankle weights on so it's like i stretch out and strengthen the back line and then make sure the front line can actually tighten up as well yeah because they work together um like like a seesaw or like a kind of a a weight scale if one side is over dominant than the other side yeah that's what i actually find people's forward fold mobility it's one thing that contributes if their hip flexors can't actually work in that end range the nervous system doesn't know what to do then their hammies will lock up protectively it's a hypothesis like there's probably no solid research behind this but it's an experiential feeling so yeah. take it with a grain of salt but it's something i've noticed in clients and in my own body where i go okay let's train hip flexion and then see what it's like to come forward and the hip flexors think of it like a job you know a council job where you got one bloke doing the digging and he yeah. gets tired and pissed off pretty quick yeah if all four of them are doing it then oh, it's all right and they go home not too bad mm. so if the hip flexors go yeah i'll contribute to this forward folding movement and then the hammies go fine fuck okay lengthen good right i can handle this now so um that's like the structural kind of thinking i'll go through but um and and again full range strength work like we've got reasonably okay quality research to show that 
eccentric strength training. So that's where a muscle's contracting but lengthening. Yeah. Like the hammies in a Jefferson curl, like the biceps uh, when you're just dropping. Yeah, okay. That places an extra stimulus on the muscle to the degree that we see lengthening in the actual physical structure. Yeah. So the nervous system, A, lets you go longer, but B, the muscle fascicles actually get longer. Yeah, yeah. So those Nordic curls that are beastly, that pe- where you put your heels under a bench and drop. Oh, yeah, that's something... I need to write that down. That's something that I've been wanting to actually do. Um, Nordic curls. Yeah, because you see uh, the knees over toes guy. Yeah, he, that's like one of his. He like, does it so well. Yeah, that's one of his, that dude's crazy. For anyone that has not seen that guy Gotta on check Instagram, him out. like man, he is fucking crazy. So <laughs> yeah, when I saw you do that ATG Jefferson curl and you had your toes lifted, I was like, I wonder if that is something that comes from like his. Yeah, way I took of it from thinking. him. Yeah. And and so when you're doing a Jefferson curl with your toes up like that, are you just trying to get like more length in like your calves and stuff as well? Yeah, more length in the calves and particularly more it's I I backed off from them because I actually hurt myself doing them. Really? Yeah, cuz I I tweaked my hammy tendon and the sciatic nerve a bit doing it because it's like the nerve has to be placed on way more stretch yeah. when the when the ankle is dorsiflex like that even yeah. more so it's like the nerve complained um it wasn't tolerant to it but i'm actually this week i was like i think i'll get back to that now because i feel like i'm at a higher capacity yeah so yeah a lot of ben stuff is great um just got to dose it right and that one's awesome because it's like an all-in-one like shotgun approach to posterior chain flexibility actively and strength um wise so when you're doing, uh, you know, you got like the machine at the gym and then you, your hips sit on here and you're doing like the back extension. Yeah, yeah. Is that different to Nordic curls? Like, or are you doing a similar sort of thing? Like the leverage biomechanically on that. It'd be different, eh? It is different. Yeah. There's some level of tweak on the hamstrings, as Ben talks about actually, uh, where if you tuck the tailbone up under enough and get what we call like a posterior uh, like pelvic rotation. tilt yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. you'll you'll t- place more strain on the hamstrings but most of us let the pelvis roll forward and so the and then it's going onto the lower back exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. we all feel it exactly yeah that's where the, the peak strain goes to so it depends that's why like i love strength and conditioning coaches above nearly all of us like like any other health professional <laughs> nearly because these guys have taken that anti-fragile approach for decades yeah. and now they're doing really good solid scientific research to compare things and they take this sort of targeted, like specific adaptive view view of the body to go, right, You here's the components, fill it with this, you'll get that. Like yeah. motocross rider, what's the sport demand? Okay, give him X, Y, Z, yeah. boom. And all of a sudden he's heaps more resilient and can handle more races back to back. Same for a footy player. That's why like I've got, a, like, I've got a, a couple of mates who play for the bunnies and like they like these guys nowadays as we know like 20 30 years ago they're heaps chunkier because they got to handle the forces of the job yeah jujitsu hip flexibility plus strength in those end ranges like you want that hip to push back if someone's got you in like a lock or a different guard i don't know the words very well but yeah you you um you need to have what the task demands of you yeah so i actually i haven't read any fragile yet um, I'm reading Skin of the Game at the moment. So good. Yeah. What's your What was your main takeaways from that? And like you know, you said um, the strength and conditioning guys take the anti fragile approach. Like, what's the Yeah. What did you take from that? And and how do you see that being applied uh, in that sense? Because that's really interesting. 
it's taking the the baby kind of the babying gloves off that we do with ourselves like oh don't do that because you'll hurt this or you'll be at risk of doing that if you don't do this don't run because you'll hurt your knees and all of the research is, is coming back to the same message that that book came across which is we are things that gain from disorder mm. to a certain point yeah like there's a story of i don't i think it's caligula one, a roman emperor where he was like paranoid that he was going to be murdered so he started taking bits of cyanide every day and then finally it all went to crap and they were like definitely going to murder him and so he's like may as well commit suicide took a bunch of cyanide would didn't die because his body was like yeah we're done to this now yeah so it's the same thing like everything that we think is bad for us to a certain point is is if dosed well enough helpful Mm. long distance runners thanks to a bloke from um i wish i can remember his name from deakin university uh found that like long distance runners over a long period of time have thicker well hydrated discs compared to the average person um same people who run consistently there's a u-shaped curve if you're a couch potato and if you're an ultra ultra marathon runner they both have a similar risk of getting the osteoarthritis like painful osteoarthritis everyone in the middle heaps lower yeah because the body adapts to stress yeah so the takeaway is use well titrated dosed stress in any aspect of your life to make you better more resilient and that can be mental stress like emotional yeah. stress like physical stress anything yeah huh. yeah that's cool yeah that's on my uh that's on my uh, list at the moment i bought the three black swan anti-fragile and skin in the game and i've started reading skin in the game some of the most important books i think i've like ever read that's so cool do you are you um have you ever heard of um of Naval um, Ravikant yeah so that's where I got that he basically said like I fucking love that dude he's and epic. I come across something like well he spoke about skin in the game a bunch and then uh, and then he said like basically my advice to anybody who has not read these books Incerto is that the series yeah, yeah. Yep. he's like anyone that hasn't read these books stop whatever you're reading and don't read another book until you've read these three books so I just got on Amazon I was like alright fuck fair enough yeah yeah back that but um, it's funny like that that saying like that anti-fragile um concept i mean we just went to derby uh, me and my brother nice uh for like a little mountain bike trip and we did 100 k's in three days on a fucking mountain bike in the cold in the rain like and everybody is going i mean it looked fun like we you know we're posting pictures smiling and shit but then you tell everyone like fuck it was gnarly just did 50k one day we did a 50k ride on an e-bike and then the fucking e-bike ran out (laughs) so i'm like pedaling this heavy thing in the fucking rain it was four degrees we were wet like that's it's shit like on paper (laughs) like that's just fucking shit time you know what i mean and then but it's like it's so enjoyable and it's almost like i was saying to a friend i'm like uh, I go whenever I go on holidays I almost want to just like do something way gnarlier than my normal life because I want my life to kind of feel like a holiday yes. like I always want my life to feel kind of easy and cruisy so it's like you kind of if you make your holidays fucking easier than your life you get back you're like fucking hell this is like this really sucks. hard like I want to go back on holidays I'm like fuck sometimes I'm scared to go on holidays because it's just fucking gnarly yeah I've like I had this conversation with my girlfriend because she had a real like kind of grass is greener thing with holidays for ages as if it was going to solve all her issues and I was like it's not and like I had the same thing like most of my holidays I spend going on these meditation retreats because yeah. it's hard to get like extended time off as a physio just with the nature of the job and so like you know January 
next year, go on a week retreat. And that's like, that's gnarly sitting with yourself or like going on a big bike adventure or like my dad spent all of his long service leave riding a, um, a bike, a uh, road, I forget what that was, it was those BMW like kind adventure of bike adventure kind of bikes. Yeah, that's yeah. the word. Yeah. With his mates around like <laughs> around the whole of Australia like 50 year old man 55 I think he was then and he like you know going over the handlebars like breaking ribs and oh. like and like he just kept going but he came back and like the light in his eyes he was like oh, alive oh man yeah. the the shower that me and Maddie had after doing that ride like we were fucking wet to the bone yeah and it was like it was yeah five degrees and it was wet and I had a spray jacket on a shirt and some riding pants or like just shorts socks shoes that's it Shit. and we were fucking cold like and Maddie, Maddie's like man that's the coldest I've ever been in my life and it's like you get back from it and it sucks so bad in the moment to an extent but then you get back and you're like something as simple as a shower can just blow your fucking mind you're like oh. and it's like yeah in normal life you have two a day and you don't even think about it but it's like you fucking pay anything to have a hot shower like while you're 25 k's away from the house and it's freezing and you know so it's like there's definitely something to be said for just like really putting yourself out of your comfort zone and then it just makes this like quote unquote normal life that you're living it just makes it so much better and i think i think even in a way there's like a layer of that to you know, going to jujitsu or going to yoga or yeah, riding motocross yep. or paddling out in big waves. It's like you appreciate the, like what you have in life because, you know, if you're, if you're a person living in Australia, like you've got a really good life. So good. Like, yeah, like really, really good. It's um, I, like Rogan said something a couple of years ago that like really stuck out to me where he's like, you discomfort is like thrown on you no matter what and mm. so it's way better to choose voluntary discomfort over yeah. involuntary discomfort to go out and do the hectic mountain biking trip with your brother and then come back and enjoy life's simple pleasures or to work out every day to hit the you know to hit the mat to hit the um surf so that you don't have to feel the discomfort of like obesity of diabetes of like yeah. all these different things that can pop up when we don't look after ourselves and I was like, yep. Well, there, there's a really good thing uh, the, in uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. <laughs> Didn't really like that book. Yeah. Not a massive... I haven't read it. Well, it's just a, like, you talk about, like, Mick Mindfulness or whatever. That's like yeah. Mick, Mick fucking whatever, self-development. <laughs> um, which is fine. Like, that can be a really good intro point yeah. for people. Um, but he said a thing in there that it was in, like, the first chapter or so. And I was like, fuck, he nailed it. Like you pick your problems you know what i mean so it's like like well life is full of problems so you should pick your problems <laughs> problems are this unavoidable thing that you have to face like there is no life without problems so it's like build a life where you pick your problems and i guess that kind of just goes speaks to what you said in a little totally way. it's just like 
yeah, force yourself into these uncomfortable situations. Like, you need problems. Give yourself some problems, that problems that you want to solve. And I mean, you know, that's what, like, the podcast is for me. Like, it's a big problem. Like, this running this po- podcast is a huge problem to me. You know, like, it's great and, like, something good comes out yeah. of it. But, like, at every fucking minute of every day, I could think about a problem that I need to solve. So, it just, it's a good thing that this is a problem I want to solve. And it's, like, there's a bunch of places in life where, like, you don't really get a choice in solving the problem. Or like you don't get a choice in the problem that you're given. You just yeah, kind of have um, to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and it's like that would be suboptimal uh, if given the choice of like picking a problem that you wanted to solve. Yeah, yeah. You like you'd much rather deal with like a financial problem of like of like a business that you enjoy running, or like a yeah, like a, or even that like finding guests or, or finances of a podcast that fills you up versus like just being like thrown into debt because of like someone else's like you know 2008 economic crisis oh shit so yeah. suddenly my mortgage is faulting and like that's a that's a different kind of problem so um the the retreats that you go on uh, every year that is feels like that you're like forcibly removing yourself and putting yourself into that yeah that little bracket serene on the surface but as my teacher says like he's just super it's nice to see because even you go oh, he must have it all sorted but he looks at me and he goes no he's like <sighs> still hard like i'm like oh, okay that's refreshing cool as you said there's always going to be a problem so just like face up to it and go cool different attitude it's um yeah because you're with your mind like we don't realize how much that of, you're not in control <laughs> yep and how beastly it can be to you if you don't have some awareness of it or some like there's these 10 ox hurting pictures actually that'd be a nice thing to show show you like from yeah. zen um that sort of depicts it because your mind is like a wild animal uh, so you know we all know that so like, what would you type in 10 ox herding pictures uh, herding h-e-r-d not hurting we don't want to hurt any oxes no, no we're against, non-harming we're against hurting oxes <laughs> it's um that the true innovation that'll do so the dude the ox is the is the oh, sort of i've read about this yeah, yeah i'd love for you to explain it you nah, know that's it way cool. better than me no nah, probably not the the ox is the, the the mind or our true self nature we go out sort of seeking this we've got this sense of like you said you know we all seek that flow state that sense of 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 non-self we look for it we find traces of it um we we start to see it in the distance we get a glimpse of it we get close enough to try and struggle with it but it but it's powerful it throws us back off you know like our ego our mind is uncontrolled those meditation sessions where you're like my god is this even my own head and then it starts to quiet because you you repeat it years months you've got the patience that that carries you through and then six it, you start to be able to control it you know the the ox yeah. the bull is your friend you take it home and then you both disappear and return like the hero's journey to the village back into the void where you and the ox kind of disappear ultimately that that's like the very very short version of it and so the like the essence of that on retreat is like you're sitting there with a literal kind of you, you see why they took, called them demons in the past because it almost feels like it in some ways like demons of, of anger of jealousy of lust of of fear of yeah. of everything all these human experiences and nowhere to run mm. nowhere to go 
and no like real choice in what's being delivered in that sense too because that's what like that's one of the not to come back to the free will thing constantly but i just no but it's true yeah so i guess this is the connection that i made anyway um is like so if there was free will Mm. that would be a self like so that's like that's the equation yep so it's like if you don't find free will then you then there is no self so that's like the back door to this um (laughs) so it's like you know you you kind of just look over and over and over for this like feeling of free will and again it's like i've got to the point where it's like i could imagine what free will would be like but it's just not here to be found like i have to imagine it so it's not like you know you i think the reverse is like the conversation like oh so you're telling me that like free will is an illusion it's like it's like no well it's just like it's not really there like you'd have to put it there for it you know that's the sam harris argument that just goes over like it's i've it's really hard to get to be honest like Mm. i sat there and i remember driving like over tally creek bridge one day listening to sam harris saying that just being like and then like it sunk by the time I got to Miami I think and I was like oh yeah I get it now like because it's a bit of a a bit of a koan really it it sort of is right but yeah so uh, that I guess is like the back door when you're like okay so the self would be where free will is so for free will to exist there would be a self that would be in control and it would you would be able to choose your thoughts you would be there would be this choice that you have Mm -hmm. and it's like okay what's some like personal confirmation of this and then you go back to what you just said like jealousy if i was in control (laughs) you wouldn't choose i wouldn't be jealous yeah like would you ever be in a bad mood would you ever be angry would you ever be depressed would you ever be sad would you ever be anxious like we don't it i think people think that we have like this well i mean yeah like people think they they have a control issue they're like oh i've got this self-control problem i can't control myself it's like well it's just not there in the like you can't control a thing that isn't there like and i think that that's where it's just those little confirmations of like oh i'm in the terrible mood like i can think about i can think about there's like certain people that like uh it's really hard to roll with them in jujitsu i'd like and i'll start in my head thinking about i get anxious like i literally yeah physically get anxious from it instantly and then you that to me like that's just an example of a not there's no free will in that that just i'm getting anxious there's not uh there's not a choice there's no self that's there that audits that decision and then goes bang bang these are your papers you yep you can get anxious it's just fucking delivered to you like you're just and again you're kind of just like on uh on that right so i think that that's really like when you know when people sit down they're like i can't meditate my mind goes crazy i'm like yeah you're doing it you're doing it you're just sitting there and you're watching all this shit that pops up that you have no fucking control over so like that's doing it you don't have well to done. do you don't have to do anything more than that now just do this for ages yeah repeat and then if you and then if you notice like so for me i'll do my 10 minutes and then i'll be like but i'm into it i'm fucking with some breaths i'm with the breath pretty good here and then i start thinking about the fact that i'm doing it and then i'll go to a different train and then i'm gone i've like i'm off the wagon and then it's just like and then you've got a process of like noticing and you're like oh i've connected to these things and then i've connected to them as my own and then you cannot connect to that again and then you like you said you go back to your breath and then it's just this process 
that's where it's at that like that's where i'm at i just don't know like i've definitely had experiences of like prolonged like goneness where there's like <laughs> nothing really going yeah. on or like i've had some experiences of like uh doing like meta like loving kindness mm. um, meditations that's a weird one because like i don't enjoy that for whatever reason like i don't like doing it whenever it comes up that there's like you've got to do a meta loving kindness and i just don't really want to do it it's fucking weird but i've had some crazy experiences doing it of like you know feeling love and feeling but i've got a real aversion to doing it when they come up i'm i don't want it um which is funny kind of weird but again it's just like who gives a fuck like who's who's the self that would think about that and you know what i mean like again that's just more kind of connection but it's like the the point for me i guess isn't to have crazy experiences it isn't to have um you know like these um there's no state to be achieved it's just like it's the process like and again it's like all right it looked different if i was in a cave for 12 years or if i did a retreat i guess there's probably be more effort put into like not like letting that wheel run or maybe over time it just slowly kind of goes away it's like it's just more time yeah you, you're the way you're describing this right now is exactly what like i mean uh, his name escapes from me right now but a, a young tibetan guy who was the son of like one of the best kind of non-dual yeah similar zen style meditation masters of tibet he's like in his late 30s early 40s now and a, a couple of years ago he just kind of yeeted from life and went like i'm just doing a homeless retreat and they couldn't find him for like three years he just bailed he kind of left word and was like warning people it's like, about to happen but you won't know yeah and he comes back and he's like no true meditation is non-meditation like yeah and, and it's you know it's, it's really hard to not sound like a wanker doing this and you try because if you if you try and talk about high states and achievements it corrupts the process but ultimately there is an effortless effortless to effortless effort to it and so yeah. what you're saying it's literally just more time and hours in the trenches but the process the shovel is is sharp it's it's fine you just keep digging yeah and, and i think like I'd, I'd say like there's probably at some point i'll do some kind of retreat and yeah, sit in it suits. for like a long time but i would just imagine that yeah like after a while you just would get sick of the com like the conversation i just feel like it would kind of fade away like i get that at times i, <laughs> I feel like there's always i do do some longer stuff mm. um when i want to i guess yeah when um, it suits. but you know for the most part it's just like kind of 10 minutes a day but i feel like there's always kind of like two or three minutes where you are pretty gone and i feel like that's kind of all i need it's just like a little bit of confirmation of like that's actually what it that's what, yeah that's what it's like and then you just go do your shit and then you know you, again skillful unskillful it's like oh this is skillful i'll keep thinking about it i'll keep kind of selfing in this direction <laughs> unskillful don't self in that direction and it just feels like that's a fairly simple practical use of you know that kind of time but i, I would like to i guess go on to the a retreat and do something a bit more longer and a bit more formal to just i guess explore it a little bit more because there is some pretty gnarly kind of states that you can get into yeah one of my friends um nathan he runs a podcast called escaping samsara where he interviews a lot of the teachers that get real technical into this yeah 
across the different varieties of Buddhism and like the different kind of technical paths, you know, like you've got maybe like a, a gun KTM mechanic who knows all the ins and yeah, outs and can yeah. make you fly on the track. Whereas like, you know, maybe someone else couldn't do that and they're just generally good with motocross just bikes. Practical and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's the same with meditation. You'll get like technically proficient yeah. people. Um, but obviously that links into the meta stuff. So yeah. And it just, you just find a teacher that, that like knows that stuff that isn't, isn't a kooky cult leader. And then usually you find a spot that luckily now Western places, there's lots of like retreat huts you can hire. And yeah. especially in India, near these monasteries, you just like, I remember seeing two German dudes that were just on like, I think a year or so. And they'd hire these huts and people come bring them food. They were like, it wasn't super strict, but it was enough to be like, they were there. They were, that was their they main thing. It, yeah. 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 yeah mm. It's a, it's going to be interesting, I guess, to see where it goes to. Cause it, there's one of the, I feel like, it's sort of almost like a health discussion in a way. Yeah. Like 10 years ago to be talking about stretching and to be, you know, like foam roll. Well, foam rolling is probably a great example. Like yeah. that literally everyone knows what a foam roller is yeah. and everyone kind of loosely knows what the theory behind it is or whatever. But it's like at some point there were people that were like super early to that party before it got like culturally become like a fidget spinner kind of deal you know what I mean <laughs> so I like I wonder if we're on our way to that type of like saturation eventually yeah I'm I'm immensely fascinated by what's going to happen when these practices start to enmesh and inf and like affect our culture because like you can you can look back with like historical curiosity and go what happened to Japan when they got like all of these monasteries and what happened to their value system what happened to their ways of life what happened to china yeah. around 7th 8th century what happened to tibet around 8th 9th 10th um sri lanka cambodia it's all over and they yeah. all had slightly different flavors korea it's like well, what's going to happen to us mm. and who knows well i think that um one of the things that i think about is like a huge barrier for the west is that all of society is set up to cater to like a deepening of the connection that you have with yourself. So it's like, it's, it's really, um, I'm trying to figure out like backfire the, though. What's that? Uh, yeah. Of I know what you mean. Will. That's like, where I think it's almost a good way because it's like, they'll get the full taste and then realize it's not enough. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, all of society is set up and capitalism plays into this model like really really heavily like <laughs> like wanting is the key thing in buddhism almost where it's like don't want don't strive so it's like they're some of the like foundational tenets right and then you go in in a way like you don't you shouldn't want things you shouldn't like strive towards things in certain a way. things that's like the full nihilistic thing because it's like the common critique because you still want to wake up you still want to be kinder because i had this discussion with my teacher i was like well i just don't want anything so i don't even know if i want to sit and he was like no no that's nihilistic you still yeah, want to wake yeah, up yeah, yeah you still want to be an effective member of society that helps other people and you still want to be like healthy and, and well to some extent so that you can traverse this journey yeah but so how powerful is that person gonna be compared to facebook <laughs> you know what i mean i dude every day i have this struggle because like i don't know whether it's my family's addictive like 
kind of tendencies from the past but god damn instagram man like it yeah. just like it's been so useful connected me to such great people but still it hooks me yeah and like i'm one of the lucky ones like i've been taught all of this stuff spent time practicing it so, i mean yeah you're good who knows yeah and i just think that yeah the rewards like the way again it's like what i said uh with this process is like there's a certain selfing that you've got to do like you've got to be selfish you've got to you know like constantly just think about what how could i i i i i like that's this process that you're going through and that's like i move forward in society like my life gets better and more comfortable Mm. like the more so society in the west is set up for that it's like a full survival of the fittest like you know kill or be killed kind of environment and it and you know you look at tibet there's no there is still a third world country it's like it's almost so to come back to one of the things that Mm. um like joshua was talking about with like the whole like agent model thing is like you've got this agent physical agent that's in the world and then there's this complex modeling that has um been developed because it's like the physical agent would benefit from knowing what it's like to be the physical agent in the world so that's like the feedback loop that is reinforces like set up you know yeah so it's just like that's why pain is there like it makes sense like it would be good for the physical agent to have a model of what's wrong with having a broken leg like that's if that's going to help so then it's like if you just look at like this biological level of what a self is and why it's there it's very 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 important and then so that nihilism thing that you spoke about is it's like that's the that's the model uh it's like a hack of the model so the model's like no longer useful to the agent in a sense and i think that that's why like i wonder how healthy the these monks are that do these retreats and you know the personal hygiene wouldn't be there and there'd be a lot of like dental issues and there'd be a lot of like yeah bellies and you know what i mean so like that's a really really good example of like the dichotomy of chasing this how far do you want to go with it because you know if you can break down that modeling to the point where you can let the physical agent just completely deteriorate then it's like that's this weird hack of biology that's like really fucking with the system so it's almost like there's this there's this really fine um balance to to kind of be had yeah and and that's where it comes back to which is why i like the act stuff as a way of framing this really well is it's like what matters to you Mm. and that and that's an evolving journey because like they say what's your true vow in zen and it's almost like an answerless question like Mm. it it sort of guides you to what what you might be your ultimate purpose but like that evolves and it's like a, a not knowing I mean, this is my current perception of it as like a junior idiot student. Uh, And so like to some extent, some people have just suffered so much. They've just gone, fuck this. They're the traumatized ones who rightly so, they just want to tap out. They want a way out. Yep. And that's cool. And there is... And And there is that. Yeah, there is. There's that option. Whereas like what I like about Soto Zen is it's like, no, 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 no. Like to some extent there's we, we kind of as best as i can explain this again from my idiot perspective is there's the samsara is nirvana the cycle of suffering and death is 
is yeah, the, the is thing. the cessation yeah. and the blissful yeah. world that you're trying to escape to. They yeah. are one and the same. Yeah, yeah. It's your perspective and layers of modeling yeah. that fuck that process up. So see them as the same. As they say, chop wood and carry water before and after enlightenment. So let's say if I eventually do awaken mm. through some sense of self solidly enough to transform my personality directly... I want to hope that I'm still doing physio mm. or maybe teaching 100%. people how to meditate and still living in the Goldie on my little flat, still getting out for a surf when I can and just keep it on until this thing stops working. Yeah. And like maybe I've made people around me in the world a bit nicer, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah, I share that. I, I think that the way that I, I guess I kind of frame that like is so you can, you can have this level of insight, especially around the free will thing. The free will thing creates nihilism in people, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, this is now, this is the problem, not the problem with this, but there's like a little bit of tweaking that needs to happen of the explanation. Cause if you get to nihilism, like you've missed the point. And for me, how I would describe it is that you, if you can see that there isn't free will in the sense that that is kind of like you would most people would instinctively think that they have right Mm. if you see that that's not there then what you're left with is luck essentially and luck and bad luck are just luck so again it's like this interpretation like good is luck is what you've got good is part of modeling that gets added bad is part of modeling that gets added right but there is like good in the world. There is like a thing that's, there's some universal truths that have been discovered. Like you shouldn't kill people. You should treat people how you want to be treated. Like there is some like general rules that would lead to a good life. So I guess where I've got to it in a sense is like, okay, all there is is luck and there is better luck and worse luck and if you like good luck breeds good luck it's not going to completely stamp out the um the like statistical probability of getting more bad luck in the future but i would say that if you can ever like if luck is all that you're left with uh then there are things that you can do there's a way that you can behave there's a way that you can treat people there's a way that you can talk to people there's a way that you can care about people there's there's all these things that you can do that essentially would like add to your probability of receiving more good luck in the future it's not going to do anything to you know stop the randomness of of bad luck but that would that to me is like okay if the hands off the wheel i'm not as in control as i thought if at times you know you can still make choices choices matter you don't know why you make those choices essentially (laughs) but choices still do matter yeah but it's like try to make choices that would point the needle in the direction of you know you getting more good luck and i that's kind of where i'm at with it and then i i feel like that's probably in a sense what karma is talking about in a way you know it's exactly that it's just it's seeds it's it's actions and 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 reactions um you you most of it's out of your control you're you're an agent in a you're a mildly autonomous mildly uh autonomous agent in like a just a stream of entropy and chaos yeah and you've just got to like put up your sail and hope that you sail past the right asteroids it's just got to be like "Ah." and and um yeah and as you said just steer it in the right path and that's why i find like there's it comes back to um like 
to not not to get all religious again but the the buddha sort of summarized the path and all of the technical stuff into like three main things he was like right shila samadhi prajna which sanskrit or pali translated to english would be like ethics be decent samadhi train your mind to see see better and then prajna is like feel and hopefully experience the wisdom that then allows you to see the the truer nature of yeah, things yeah. and then from there it just unfolds and it continues to um perfect well i've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you went, went a lot deeper into that uh the i guess that side of things and i thought we would but thoroughly enjoy i don't get to do it that much so no dude absolute a, pleasure thank you so much no drums we'll do it again sometime for sure appreciate it did it mate Wow, that Unreal. was a good Thursday, Arvo. Oh, appreciate that, eh? <laughs> yeah, I never really, yeah, get to talk about that stuff that much, so it's sort of rare to find people that have put in the time that you have. Yeah, I'm just, like, surprised that... Te-